Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, Yankee Doodle Do or Die, a real live nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the... God, it would go on, on and on and on. 110 times, 111 times they stood up to clap. They were giving Donald Trump the clap he so richly deserves, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. And uh, we'll have clips of that throughout the programme this morning, just in case you missed it. Uh, Who's going to feature in Coronation Street? I thought maybe... Maybe somebody could act. Apparently not. No, they've done a deal. In other words, if you cross Grenard Television's palm with gold, you can uh, be featured on the street. I wonder why the other week we had product placement with Costa Coffee Cup in Audrey's Salon and a co-op bag. You know why? Because the co-op and Costa are moving into the street. Whether they'll build a shop for them and a pretend little thing, because surely this is going to kill the local neighbourhood. Every neighbourhood has been killed by the coffee shops. I'm surprised they've not got an estate agent, but, I mean, who in God's name wants to live in Coronation Street? I mean, it really is the most backward place you could ever... Just outside Manchester, and yet so far removed, it could be another century. Where in God's name would you ever find somebody like Rita running the corner shop? Where would you ever find anybody like Roy, who I've never seen wash his hands yet, anywhere near food? Where's the Chinese takeaway? Where's the kebab shop? Where are all these things which are sort of, you know, part of modern everyday life? No, instead, if you sort of cough up enough money, you can have your, your, your Costa coffee. Presumably it's product placement. I don't th- They're not actually going to build a set, are they? Because that would be ridiculous. Actually building a... No, it'll be somebody said, well, listen, every so we'll, we'll see somebody in the street, Audrey, with a co-op bag. And so that's how it will uh, work. Uh, also, the BBC's golden agenda. There's no, uh, there's no bias at all. <laughs> They must think we fell down and came down with the last shower, which we didn't. Gary Lineker, 1.8 million. And uh, Claire Balding, 200,000. But do not worry, Claire. Do not worry. Your integrity is there. Gary Lineker's just a complete prat, as far as I'm concerned. I don't, have, I don't have to watch him. I don't enjoy his crisp adverts. I'm not remotely interested. As far as I'm concerned, old juggies can go do one, as far as I'm concerned. Paul Simon. Well, I would not give you false hope. On the street and day for the mother and child reunion. It's only the diamonds on the soles of the shoes. I love Paul Simon. He's coming over here to do some concerts. What are you singing? What's that song? What? Oh, you can call me. And of course, the other one. When you're weary, feeling small. When? Well, actually, I'm talking about who wrote it, and it was written by Paul Simon. And in fact, when you see them live in concert, Paul Simon takes main lead vocals on that one. I don't want to have to prove you wrong, but I think you'll find I'm the biggest Simon and Garfunkel. I know because I've seen Art Garfunkel naked uh, in a film that he was in. He also sang Bright Eyes, shine as they ran over the rabbits. Bright Eyes, you know. I remember all this stuff. I know all the songs from, um, you know... Are you going to Scarborough Fair? It's going to be his last uh, UK show ever. Get your tickets now. I I don't normally say that, but, I mean, you are talking about a living legend. There's very few of us left. Very few. Uh, Dame Helen Mirren is playing the tortured Winchester widow. Now, you might not know this story, but the Winchester widow was the widow of the man who invented the Winchester rifle. Okay, very famous in America. Very famous. Probably responsible for killing more people than anything else. Anyway, she started building a house and she didn't stop. 
It was her addiction. It was her cocaine. It was her drug. So she built a 500-room house, part of which still exists today. The interesting thing is that most of the rooms don't exist. She built staircases going to nowhere. You'd walk up a staircase, it would just finish. You'd open a door, there'd be a wall the other side. That was, that's, you know, most of the rooms were fictitious. Most of them were fictitious. Uh, in Bournemouth, they don't want people sleeping on benches. Of course, the do-gooders are out already. Well, I think that's actually outrageous. These people should be allowed to sleep on park benches if they want to. So they put bars across them to stop people sleeping on them. That won't stop them. They're drunks. They're drunks. Doesn't make any difference. I mean, they have more problem with drugs and drunks down in Bournemouth than anywhere else. That's why all the public toilets have got blue lights in. Full-fat milk is healthy. Full-fat milk is healthy. Having told us for years it's not, now they've said it's healthy. Uh, also, half of pupils skip a troubled primary. The chef in France who went uh, Michelin star, not merci, non merci. He doesn't want one. He said it's more trouble than it's worth. He said, why would you want a Michelin star? He said, I know how good my food is. And now, of course, everybody knows who he is. And, um, and he said, I don't, I don't want the pressure. I really don't. Um, what was the other one that I quite liked? Oh, the, the middle-class mob who stormed the Churchill Cafe. Aren't they always? You know, when we had the riots in London, there was that po-faced little madam who was nicking stuff. You know, thinking she was, like, in with the crowd. What an idiot. What a lunatic. Mind you, just like Brendan Cole, you know, seems surprised on television when the BBC drop him for a programme. If I went on air and started dissing this company that look after me very well, they would be going, why are we keeping him? What's the point of having somebody like that? Perhaps he thought he was clever. You know, because he's big-headed. You know, perhaps he thought he was being really, really clever. He got away with it for years. No, no, they got rid of him. So he sits on television and they go, oh, right, you've been dropped. Yeah, why? Well, I'm not really sure. I'll tell you why. Big-headed egotist. You don't bite the hand that feeds. But I didn't think he was intelligent enough for that. Uh, the American Glee star. I didn't, I didn't know the, uh, the cast of Glee. I know there was one in a wheelchair who really wasn't in a wheelchair. It was just pretend. But there again, Ironside wasn't in a wheelchair either. He just pretended to be in a wheelchair, so people were all surprised when he walked on stage. Uh, this one was found hanged uh, ahead of child abuse sentencing. He'd all been found guilty of downloading something like 50,000 images of child sexual abuse. And uh, some of them were very, 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 very young. So uh, he decided to hang himself. Best thing he could have done, actually. Best thing he could have done. Uh, the Wimbledon Prowler. Is he the night watcher? They've got pictures. Apparently the defence chiefs won't allow a DNA search. It's apparently against somebody's human rights. And what was that story the other day? What was the story the other day I read? It was a... Think, 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 Stephen. It was to do with somebody... Oh, a paedophile. OK, a paedophile who was caught by this group who entrap people. He thought he was talking to a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, they're called what? No, it's not dark. It was something similar. But he had been talking for a few months to this girl. He, it wasn't a girl, of course. It was a 49-year-old woman. And he'd said to this 12-year-old girl, uh, I want you to turn up wearing no knickers. He had condoms in his pocket and everything else, but he was snared by this group. OK, so he's been found guilty. He's a pervert. He's over here illegally. He shouldn't be here. He actually came over as a student and he didn't bother. Uh, leaving the country. He's one of probably many, many, many thousand. Name's uh, uh, Al Imran Ali. He's been here for eight years. He's a pervert. God knows how many people he's abused. But uh, anyway, he uh, messaged this girl on a dating website. Uh, she was with Silent Justice and they, they got him. He turned up. He was holding a hamburger. 
that was obviously the clue that that was him. Um, and they've said after he, uh, and all he's going to be sentenced to, what was he given? It was something like that. Uh, something, yeah, 10 months in jail. That's it for being a paedophile. But anyway, that's not here nor there. They're, after he's finished, they're going to deport him back to Pakistan. His lawyer has said, well, you can't do that because he, he might face a backlash in Pakistan. Good. Good. I bloody well hope you do, mate. I bloody well... We've got too many of these people here. Too many. Look at him. Smirking his way around it. When he was stopped by them, he went, he had, I have no knowledge of the messages I've sent. And I didn't know she was a 12-year-old girl. And I said, and it's all there. It's on your telephone. He said he had condoms on him because he was going to visit a massage parlour. You lying little paedophile. Luckily, the court saw through you. And so he's been sentenced to 10 months. But uh, he's, his sexual interest in young female children is disturbing. But it's his lawyer going, oh, if he goes back to Pakistan, we might end up being stuck with this pervert. Let's hope they call him out. Let's hope they call him out because his, uh, he will not be, uh, hopefully, allowed to stay here at all. Send him back to Pakistan. I couldn't care less what happens to him over there. I really couldn't. Anyway, that's me this morning. I'm in that kind of mood. A very good mood, actually. You know why? Because it's coming to the end of the month. I'm hoping that you paid your tax. I'm hoping you paid your tax. I'm hoping that you filed. Because if you don't, there is a fine for you. And, uh, you know, you can put it off and put it off and put it off. The one thing you should do if you get into problems with tax and stuff like that is to contact the tax office and say, listen, I'm having, I'm having dreadful problems at the moment. And they will obviously try and accommodate you as much as they can. Of course, if I was running it, I wouldn't be anything like that at all. Sorry, what do you mean you haven't got the money? Well, you're going to prison, aren't you? OK, we'll build a special prison if necessary. I think we should use those forts in the Thames estuary. For keeping people on, you know, and you go, I tell you what, if you really want to risk it, we've also infested the area with sharks and killer whales. I love the idea. This orca, orcas are killer whales, aren't they? Orcas makes them sound a bit more lovely. So this one says hello and everything else. You think, is this before it takes a big chunk out of you? These are the orcas that kill the, the, the small babies of other whales. We saw it on the television the other day, but if you call them orcas, they go, oh, that's nice, isn't it? An orca is a killer whale. You do, I mean, I don't think they're likely to sue, put it that way. I really don't. It is a killer whale, isn't it? That's what I thought. They go, oh, it's an orca, and it talks. You think, these things kill. These things kill baby whales. They separate them from their mothers. They should all be destroyed. Destroyed completely. Uh, State of the Union was very uh, nauseating, says Jackie. Actually, I heard it. I mean, I just thought he was preaching to the converted. It was preaching to what people wanted to hear. Wayne says, Gary Lineker and the other BBC so-called talent for years... The BBC justified paying huge sums of money to the likes of Gary by saying, if we don't pay top money, the BBC talent will leave. Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, and leave to go where? Nobody's paying that sort of money in, in commercial worlds. They're really not. You know, unless you're Anton Deck. Uh, Chesney runs the kebab shop on Coronation Street. Chesney. What, Chesney? The ginger-haired Chesney? Oh, Ginge, he's running a kebab shop. Well, I've never heard of that before. Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that one. Uh, Steve, I'd like to see Paul Simon, but I'm a little bit worried the concert dates might clash with Peter Andre's world tour. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a bit worried about that. If you do want to buy tickets for Peter Andre's uh, world tour, um, they haven't actually put dates in yet, nor are they on sale, because Pete's, Pete's very busy trying to persuade M's to have sex with him. Because at the moment, and they don't, they don't put it like that. Unfortunately, you know, I, I say it the way it is. They've said that she doesn't want to get intimate with him. Why would you want to get intimate with an old, haggard old man like him? Thank you very much indeed. Who shoves a sock down his pants when he's being photographed. That must be a big disappointment. Let's undress. Oh, my God, where is it? You know, don't want to be rude about it, but, you know. 
It's the kind of thing people say nowadays, isn't it? Strippers. Let's bring strippers in on this programme. I think we need some strippers. Oh, it's girls walking around going, first break. We've got talking whale. Oh, we've got a talking whale. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> hello. It's not saying hello, hello. at all. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's before it hello. bit me. Is that a keeper saying that hello bit? Hello. It's not saying hello two. at all. Yeah, honestly. One, two. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you go do one, pal? It was like, do you remember a dog years and years ago? You won't remember this one, Aussie boy. But we used to have a programme called That's Life, and they used to have a dog that said sausages. It didn't say sausages. It's just a dog that dribbled. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. And just pin it to the back of the wardrobe, and then, you know, it, it sorts it out. I promise you. I'm sorry to mention that. Sorry, I'm just advising somebody on, you know, when you move flat. And uh, have fun. Bye. See you later. Can't stand him. Really, can't. He drives me mad. I don't know why he's even here. He was all the way through the uh, the speech, you know, the address to the nation, all the rest. Chat, 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 chat. Madness. Uh, the kebab shop is called Prima Donna, owned by Dev and staffed by Chesney and Gemma. Dear, it's a little bit predictable, isn't it? Um, apparently, uh, after seven years, my boss, Pat, at the dairy is also a spiker, says Sim. He says, you really are the voice of the milkman. <laughs> well, I mean, who else is up at this time of the morning, apart from people getting their trains out, bus drivers, lorry drivers, Warburtons, uh, private hire vehicle, all sorts of people listen to the radio at this time of the morning. Why not? For goodness sake, you've got to try and stay awake, haven't you? No trouble for me staying awake. I'd, I bounced out of bed this morning. I don't know why. I suddenly thought, ooh, first of the month tomorrow... Pinch and a punch, etc. And uh, better do the invoice. I know we've only just been paid, but we have to get our invoices in a little bit early. Um, 4,000 people have quit labour in a week. I don't know if that's an indication. Guess which paper that was in. Thank you. Uh, Melanie Sykes goes on a beach with a photographer. I'd have thought by now, Melanie, you might have used some intelligence and try and, try and found yourself a job. Because just appearing on a beach isn't very clever. Um, David Beckham hangs around in a sleazy nightclub owned by a killer. Didn't leave there till 5am and in the morning... Uh, I'm making a prediction. I'm making a prediction that the Beckhams will separate this year. And it'll be an amicable separation because Dave is uh, busy in Miami doing this uh, this sort of thing. Like it's all his idea and like, you know, he's the only person doing it as opposed to there being a team of people. And so he's gone over there. He's, he'll be staying in America. She's apparently staying here. How she'll run her business, I've got no idea because most of it must be based in China and Japan and places like that. And the kids will be here to go to school. They'll be less than thrilled. And, and Dave said he'll, he'll see them from time to time. That, to me, sounds like a marriage splitting up. That's what it sounds like to you. They're way too old and long in the teeth to start faffing around doing things like that now. They've got more than 200 million. Well, he has. You know, she'll need some money to prop up. I think this is going to be the amicable split and they'll go, you know, he's so busy in America. They'll they'll spin it. I promise you, they'll spin it because the papers are already suggesting that there is some sort of split going on because I've never heard anything like it. They make an announcement that Dave's going to America and he'll be concentrating all his uh, efforts in Miami. So he's going to be presumably renting a place or buying a place. Brooklyn is in New York, so he's not exactly down the road, is he? And then the rest of the brood are over here. And while Victoria goes off to do mummy things like wearing dark glasses and trying to flog fashion to people who aren't really that interested, it's a case of, you know, who's going to look after the kids? And it'll be the parents. It'll either be Dave's parents or it'll be Victoria's parents. Can't think of anybody. They're not going to put it out to nannies, are they? But there's something wrong. Something wrong with all of a sudden 
you know, him say, Dave going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious, I'm this and that. Really? You could have fooled me. I just thought you were an ex-footballer who kicked a ball around and then fannied around pretending to be some sort of celebrity. You know, and they get loads of coverage for doing nothing. He's only got to break wind and they take a picture, don't they? Goodness sake. Uh, so the kebab shop is called Prima Donna. Staffed by Chesney. What does Chesney know about doing kebabs? Have we ever seen him actually cut it? Because that must be really expensive. Because you can't fake a doner kebab. It's either going to be a doner kebab or it's not. Unless they've managed to get a plastic one. And then Chesney will be selling kebabs. <laughs> Don't see that at all. Um, what was the other one as well, actually? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I witty want. Witty, witty, witty want. Yeah, I want to see the back of the little fat woman. Thank you very much indeed. Um, the woman who's peculiar. For some reason being championed by, um, by Alma from Coronation Street, who is a, an out lesbian, but from, you know, fairly recent. Fairly recent. Her girlfriend's Hilary Bonner who wrote a book about, I think, actually, it was Hillary, wrote the book about Is There Life After Soap? And she was a, a TV critic. I didn't even know she was gay. But there again, you know, why should we? What difference does it make? But uh, but Alma was sort of, you know, defending Widdy. Because we're slightly disturbed by Widdy, actually. We can't quite work out what she is. You know, I'm not sure if she's heterosexual. And if she is, it's based on what? And and I don't know if she's gay. And if she is that's that's probably clashing with her uh, her Christian beliefs. Although, to be honest with you, I don't ever remember seeing pictures of Widdy going off to church. You ever remember seeing pictures of people going off to church? Although I bumped into somebody the other day, a friend of mine, who has now started going to church all of a sudden. Didn't go to church before. Now they're going to church every Sunday. And I thought, oh dear. Is that is that somebody who's discovered religion late in life? Or is it somebody with guilt feelings? We'll find out later. And the Hatton Car- Garden Old Codgers. What were what, you... I'm, I'm a bank robber. Are you really, dear? What did you do? We, we robbed out in garden. <laughs> did you get away with it? No, I'm speaking to you from prison. All right. How old are you, darling? I'm, I'm 77. Right. Well, you're going to die in there, aren't you? I, I should think so, yeah. <laughs> Crime doesn't pay. Bloody well does. We've still got a bit of money stashed away. Anyway, they've been told now, cough up 27 million or you're going to stay behind bars for another seven years. I mean, most of them will not make it. They won't make it at all. One of them's got, uh, apparently, heart problems. Kind of tough, isn't it, really? Kind of tough. And then they, then they think they might do a deal on it. They do deals. And the deal could be about six million each or something like that. In which case, you know, if they've got it, the wives are going to be going, you ain't taking my money. You had to nick a lot of stuff to get that. Because they don't have jobs, do they, really? Stuffed in a suitcase, 50 million quid worth of cocaine. It was found on a private jet. And uh, they've arrested five people. They're so stupid. So stupid. And um, that's what that's what it would be worth on the street. Seventeen suitcases stuffed with it. By the time it's cut down, you know, it's worth worth a lot of money to somebody. You've got to split it five ways. Somebody must have tipped them off. Apparently, the uh, police were waiting. They'd obviously had some sort of tip off, which I find amazing. Uh, what was the other one? Oh yes, Trump and, and his speech, which we we'll come around to a little bit later. Uh, Dame Helen Mirren. We've done that one. The woman finds six hundred quid for putting a cardboard box in a recycling bin. I tell them to stick it. I take it to court. I take it to court. These councils, they're above themselves. They really are. Not good at all. Uh, Emmerdale, fearing an acid backlash. Apparently, they all think they're being terribly clever. And, you know, they do. Oh, we've got this and we've got that and all the rest of it. Well, I couldn't give a stuff. Uh, Meghan Markle ditches her friends in real life because she obviously thinks she's going to have lots of royal friends. And uh, I was watching the other day. It was the, uh, the Queen's Castle. 
down in Windsor and St George's Chapel, which is where uh, loads of people get blessings and there's loads of dead people buried in there. And uh, it was Charles and Camilla's blessing and the Queen went and all the rest of it. And I should imagine that Meghan Markle, once she's seen that place full up with about 300 people and all these ceremonial stuff, she'll be going, bloody hell, done all right here. Done all right with this one, because it's just enormous. The actual process inside Windsor Castle, let alone... I mean, the kitchens alone. There's a staff of about 30 people. This is way outside of her comfort zone. Thank God Harry saw her, didn't he? Introduced by a mutual friend. They obviously went, listen, she, she's up for it. Go go for her. You know, she's been married and she's had a few few boyfriends. Oh, oh right. I, yeah, I'll go for her. Hi, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> you, want to, you want to drag her my back? Yeah. OK. And so uh, Harry, Harry will be getting married or doing what they do. Perhaps it'll just be a blessing or something. I don't know. Can you get married again if you've already been married once before? We haven't. Have we had that? Yeah, but I'm not sure. In the royal family, we had somebody who's been married and then and then got married again. Wait, but she was killed, wasn't she? Or murdered, depending on which newspaper you read and which sort of piece of the internet you care to go for. Uh, so I mean, she was out of the equation. Uh, so, I'd, uh, so that's why I think that was allowed. I'm not sure whether or not Meghan Markle... Do you think her ex-husband's going to turn up? Who are you? I'm Meghan Markle's ex-husband. Hello, we'd like to do an interview with you. What's she really like? <laughs> That'll be the next... You watch, that'll be the next thing. He'll suddenly realise that's worth money. Once you see this, this beamed around the world, and it will be beamed around the world. Uh, do you like the idea that um, rough sleepers in Bournemouth on park benches... You know, you walk through a park and there's people sleeping on a bench. Off! Off! So the uh, council are putting metal bars across them. Whether it's at, at night, I don't know, because otherwise how's anybody else going to sit on the blooming things? Uh, and it's to get rid of rough sleepers. Uh, we still have the beggars. Perfectly able people, but they're, they're mainly... They're either pimping girlfriends or they're, uh, or they're just feeding a drugs habit or they just can't be bothered to work. It's easier to let... And it makes me laugh. You see people kneeling down, talking to them, going, are you all right? Would you like me to get you some food? Of course they don't want bloody food. They want money, don't they? Like the beggar in Manchester. You know, the one that went, oh, isn't he marvellous? He went around helping people. No, no, no. He was thieving from them. He's just a common little thief. And so the judge decided that was exactly how I described him. And he sent him to prison for four years. I'd have sent him to prison for 20 years. Stealing from the dead and the dying. My God, I tell you, <laughs> your life wouldn't be worth living. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Loads of papers talking about Brendan's axing. Good. Good, good, good. It should have happened a long time ago. A nasty, nasty little piece of work. Nasty little piece of work. And he didn't realise you cannot dis a programme um, for which it pays you a lot of money. If it hadn't been for the Strictly programme, you wouldn't have heard of dreary, egotistical, big-headed Brendan Cole. I mean, to be honest with you, Tony Beek's as big-headed as he is. But at least he manages to play a little bit humble and stupid at times and a bit creepy. I think he thought he was going to take over from Brucey. Thank God that never came to fruition. Uh, Jill says Prince Anne's been married twice. Yeah, but I mean, who's, who's going to argue with her? I'm Anne. Come here. I'm marrying you. What's your name? Um, um, Mark, Mark Phillips. OK, right. I'm going to marry you and I'm getting rid of you. Lawrence. What's your name? Lawrence. Come here. I'm Anne. I'm going to marry you. And that's, you don't argue, do you? Have you seen the daughter? Woo! Scary, scary. She's not had her invite yet for the wedding. Her and Mike Tyndall. Mike, the failure Tyndall. What does he do? He was a rugby player. And, um, and then he tried some reality shows, obviously to make a name for himself, and that died. So he's got nothing. 
nothing at all. He just sort of hangs around. He's sort of, he must do something, mustn't he, I suppose. She does show jumping, but a little bit up themselves, some members of the royal family. A little bit up themselves. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. Wednesday, 31st of January. I'm Steve Allen. The oldest man in the world has just died, says Len. He was 113. And uh, he was uh, Francisco Nunes Oliveira. Uh, it was only a month after celebrating his birthday. Bit of a waste of time getting him a cake, wasn't it, really? Uh, passed away around town. Those presents. What's the point? What do you buy a 113-year-old? I mean, uh, coffin, <laughs> gravestone, things like that. Um, he actually uh, lived his entire life uh, in this little village called uh, Bienvenida. That's nice, isn't it? I didn't think there was a place called Bienvenida. But the mayor says it was a pity for the entire village and the whole world. Well, I've never heard of him. Have you ever heard of him? No, not a, not a pity for that. That's the trouble, these Spanish mayors. You know, they seem to speak for everybody at all. But um, uh, Mr Oliveira was born in 1904. He was known locally as Marchena. Was he a cross-dresser or something? Something we're not aware of. It was given to him when a child mistook him for the famous Spanish singer Pepe Marchena. <laughs> Sorry. I've never heard of Pepe Machina. Anybody else? No. The retired farmer reportedly took daily walks alone. Well, nobody else his age. What was he going to talk to somebody about? He started to read again at uh, 98 following an operation to cure his cataracts. Yeah. Uh, the, as of the 20th of January, 30th, this uh, yesterday, the top ten oldest people in the world are all women. Uh, the first one, at, num- at number ten, Chin Masushita. It's 113 uh, from Japan and 306 days. Uh, also Japan, Tomo uh, so <laughs> Sorry, it's our water. <laughs> Cataracts for you, isn't it? <laughs> Lucille Randon is 113. It's obviously the, the time they start popping off, isn't it? Uh, now we move to the 114. When Maria Giuseppe Robucci, she's from Italy. No kidding. A lot of people from Japan. It's very popular, Japan. Kane Tanaka is 115 and 28 days. Giuseppe Progetto is, uh, could be Prosecco, age 115 and 245 days. And then the top two, both Japanese, Chio Mayako is 116. And the oldest is Nabi Tajima, who's 117 and 179 days. What quality of life can there be? It must like being a, being a preserved piece of leather. Oh, look, look oh, there's a picture. Of the uh, that bloke who thought he was 113. Oh, that's nice. He leaves behind four children, nine grandchildren, and a lot of dust, I should imagine, and 15 great-grandchildren. Do you think, I don't know. Is there an advantage to really getting to be very, very old? I don't... I mean, I'm not sure, actually. When somebody said to me the other day, he said, how long do you think you're going to live? I said, I'm gonna, I'll be lucky if I make it through to next Tuesday at the rate I'm going sometimes. But I don't know. I don't know if there is any advantage. Is it because people then come and talk to you? Are you all right? Do you want something to eat? You know, is it that kind of situation? Because I should imagine most people must have gone deaf long before you get to that stage. So it would be a case of, you know, what 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 what, what pleasure is there in life? You can't still be having sex. I mean, surely not 117. I'd be very surprised. Perhaps you perhaps you don't even think about it. That would be very worrying, wouldn't it? Thinking about it, then trying to find somebody. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to think about that actually. <laughs> but it's 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 interesting that. The majority of the people are women on the top uh, top ten list, and they're Japanese. So, what is it about the Japanese? It's the diet. It's the diet. It's the fish. It's the uh, the sake. 
It's everything. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Ours is terrible. You won't go to Japan, I should imagine, some of the outlying villages, and find people, you know, queuing for the local kebab shop. Because people cook. They don't have things like that. They don't need it. People cook. Very interesting. BBC Pay, there's a new pay framework for presenters. They've, they're going to cap it, they've said, at 320,000. Um, and, you know, I don't see how it's going to work. I really don't see how it's going to work. But they think it will. They think it will. Uh, Tony says these marriage blessings, or even renewing the vows, is a short sign of trying to make good of a bad thing. Those truly happy in marriage won't need it. Yes. Uh, if you're 113, you can go back to being a teenager again, says CJ. 113. I don't know, actually. I don't think I'd want to live to it. you imagine? Steve Allen is still broadcasting at the age of 113. People would go, oh, my goodness me, how is that possible? And the answer is, well, of course, it's po- anything is possible in this day and age. Uh, every paper seems to be carrying Brendan Cole, fired by Strictly. Well, they haven't fired him. They just don't want him back. I bet they haven't taken that decision lightly. They'll be thinking, is it going to be a backlash? No, nobody liked him. He was an irritating little so-and-so. And um, and so I'm not at all surprised. I'm just surprised it's taken this long. He's been a, you know, he's been big-headed. Big-headed you can just about cope with. We sort of gradually put up with Tony Beak, uh, you know, because uh, he's just one of those irritating little so-and-sos who is naturally big-headed, and big-headed people don't sometimes realise that they're big-headed. Uh, also, uh, you were not the hero you pretended to be. This is the homeless man who stole from victims of the Manchester Arena atrocity. Chris Parker, 33, claimed he helped the wounded and dying. Unfortunately, he was a lying little toe rag and he thieved from them. So uh, the judge has said you were just a common thief. Well, common he certainly is. Thief he absolutely is. And uh, he's gone to prison for four years. I hope they leave you in there, actually. You're a nasty little piece of work, really. How fancy stealing from the dead and the dying. Dreadful. Absolutely not good. Uh, the beep, beep whitewash is, is in all the... Excuse me. You can always tell if I'm going to go off on one, I need to make sure I'm well lubricated. I was only saying that to Anne Whittacombe the other day. If you're going to go off on one, Anne, have a glass of wine. So she's been having little glasses of wine. Uh, but after seeing Wayne sleep, did you know that he danced with Diana? Did, did he ever mention that in any of his interviews? No, anyway, he danced with Diana. And uh, he just seems to be drunk all the time. He was having a conversation with Courtney Act. And uh, I'm hoping that Widdy doesn't win. I really don't want this woman to become any more big headed than she is already she obviously thinks she's some i think she probably thinks she you know i, I was a, um you know i was an mp and uh, i could have been prime minister no you never could have been prime minister dear uh, the bbc's second review over its gender pay gap has been branded a whitewash the audit by the accountancy firm price waterhouse coopers um have sort of issued their findings it found no evidence of gender bias in pay decision making but jane garvey Dismissed it as a PR exercise. My God, they're all turning their back on the hand that feeds, aren't they? They're all turning their back on the hand that feeds. I wonder where they would go if all of a sudden, hypothetically, of course, I haven't heard anything yet, you know, on the BBC going, well, I think we'll now find somebody different. Let's, let's lose Jane Garvey. She's under contract. We, we, we can lose her and find somebody else. Where would she go? Where would she go? She can't go to Sky. They're, they're, they're well full up. It would just go, it, it would disappear completely. Disappear. I mean, she's 53. 53 years old, that's a difficult time to be looking for something. She said she was treated with contempt after seeking a rise. Well, she thinks so too. It's outrageous. How dare you ask for a rise? But uh, it's interesting yesterday. The BBC News presenters may have their pay capped at 320,000, which would be a cut of over 50% for Jeremy Vine, Hugh Edwards 
and uh, the other one called John Humphreys. And uh, whether they're going to make that work, I've got no idea. I, I really have got no idea. If Gary Lineker's on 1.8 million, how does that work out? Because some of the other ones have got different jobs. Claire Balding, by contrast, is not paid very much money at all, 200,000. Although I did read that Chris Evans was paid 2 million. But I have a sneaking feeling, and I might have got this wrong, because I think he owns his own programme. That's, I mean, I don't, I've got no idea of this. I'm just thinking, if you're going to earn £2 million, that to me sounds like, and I've heard of this happening in radio before, where, where they say to somebody, listen, you can have the programme, you staff it, when you go away, you find your replacement, and uh, you make sure that everything's in place, and we just give you a lump sum, and that takes it out of our, our worry, because it's a lot of, £2 million's a lot of, you know, if I knew him, I'd probably ask him, but at, uh, you know, £2 million, I don't know. I should be, knowing him, he's probably off for an early morning run. I, should, I don't know anybody can actually do fitness stuff before you actually go on to do a programme. I mean, I can barely crawl down the stairs into the car. Even that's a bit of an effort. I sit in the back seat of the car and I check all the news stories and I think, I'll just turn my phone off. And all of a sudden, I'm in a very tranquil, peaceful world. But uh, I'm thinking that maybe he owns the programme and he staffs it. I As I say, I'm never likely to find out, am I? Since when is somebody of that statue going to be interested in a little... Little pipsqueak like me, I shouldn't imagine ever. But uh, anyway, uh, other stories in the papers for today. Shirley spat last straw at Mr Marmite. No, she didn't. I think the BBC had already decided that uh, that little Brendan Cole was a pain in the rear end and they wanted to get rid of him. He's destroying, you know, a nice programme. It's supposed to be a gentle little programme. You go out there, you wear yourself rigid, you know, and you do some dancing and everything else. He's passed his sell-by. He's just not pleasant anymore. You know, it's no good sort of relying on the fact you're good-looking. He's a good-looking bloke. He can dance. He's just got an ego the size of a small continent. So he had to go. Even some of his, uh, his, his partners say he doesn't really know when, when to stop pushing because he thinks he knows it all. Well, now you don't. Now you don't have the programme to fall back on. That was a nice little learner for 13 years. Nice little learner for 13 years. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. As I say, if ever we, we found out about, you know, the stories on who earns what at the BBC. It's funny, though, isn't it, really? Because somebody said yesterday, the day before... Day before? Somewhere. Anyway, last week, when they were talking about the, the pay of the BBC, saying, oh, it's outrageous they earned this sort of money. You would have to be an idiot to not know what people earn nowadays. If you're at the top of your game in the business and somebody wants you because they know that you're going to drag the biggest audience they've ever had over, then they pay you accordingly. Why would you then go, um, oh, I couldn't take as much as that. I'll just take half. That would be silly. That would be really bad business. You know, if my boss thinks I'm worth, you know, X hundreds of thousands of pounds a year to produce an audience at four in the morning, well, then I'd be a fool not to say thank you very much indeed. You know, to be grateful. There are thousands of people like me out there. Thousands, you know, working on local radio, getting ready to get up, you know, to work out there. Some people, you know, in, in the background of local radio, 12,000, 14,000 pounds. And they get up and do it. Why do they do it? Because they love it. Because they love it. Seriously, that's what it's all about. It's about whether you like doing the job. If you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You know, never ever do anything for the money unless it's sort of investing in, in something. But if you're, if you're a, a working presenter and they pay... I always, you know, thank the Lord that I'm this fortunate. That somebody pays me this much money for something that's not really that difficult to do. You know, provided you've got reasonably the gift of the gab and you can, you know, be a guru to some people and things like that, then it's that's that's the icing on the cake, isn't it? That's the bonus. 
the bonus. Somebody likes you enough to pay you money. So you'd never turn around and go, oh, it's dreadful. I wouldn't want to work there. If ever I've had anybody ever over the years working on the programme as a freelance or somebody been brought in to do work experience. And uh, I mean, we, we had one. I came in one day and normally they'd give me a work experience at the beginning of each week. And they would stay for a week on the programme. And all they had to do was sort of, they had to sort of, the producer would guide them and say, right, this is what we're doing. Steve will come in at this time. You go and make him a cup of tea. You know, that used to be the, the rule. You know, the, the junior person makes a cup of tea so that you, he'll, he'll walk in. You'll recognise him. He's very tall and not really uh, fat. And, uh, and then you say, can I get you a cup of tea? And he'll, he'll have a cup of tea. And then you'll take a set of papers and you'll go through and find the stories you think he can actually talk about. And uh, and I came in one time and there was somebody there and um, I didn't get the cup of tea, but I wasn't I wasn't overly bothered. I didn't I, you know, I can make my own cup of tea. It's not that difficult. I can put a tea bag in a cup, I'm not putting the bloody water in and the milk as well. But somebody else allowed to do that anyway. And uh, and I thought he doesn't appear to be doing anything with the newspapers. And I said, oh, have, you, have you finished the newspapers? He went, yeah, he produced two stories. Out of, you know, eight newspapers, two stories. And I said, no, I said, the producer needs to explain to you what we're looking for. So we had to send him back through. And he just looked bored. He just looked bored. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, within you can you can tell within 10 minutes, I think it's like listening to a broadcaster. Somebody can send in an audition tape and people will send in audition tapes. You know, you know whether you like that person's voice, whether they fit in with your station sound uh, or whether or not they, they've copied somebody else's style. That's that's what it is. It's being individual. It's very difficult to be individual, I promise you. Very difficult. I thought I was butch at one time. I suddenly... All right. Don't need that kind of look, thank you very much. I did. I thought I sounded like Bill Mitchell. I wanted to sound terribly... Because I thought if you were on the radio, you had to have a very deep, chocolatey sort of voice, you know, as if you were doing an advert for something. And I suddenly realised that, that nobody believed that. That was ridiculous. Proper East End, yeah, right, yeah. So, Steve, at you this morning, you right? How you doing? Apples and pears. No, nobody says apples. Whoever says apples and pears in the East End? But it comes down to the fact that, you know, you might be out in the sticks. You might be, you know, Manchester, God help you, somebody's got to be. You might be in Leeds, God help you again. You know, you might be Porth Court. You could be anywhere, you know, and you're doing something. Somebody's giving you an opportunity to work on a programme. But never think, please never think, that if you come in and work on a programme, that you're going to be the next presenter of it. It really doesn't work like that. And in fact, it's become more so. I've got a lot of friends in, in the business and they'll tell you exactly the same. There's lots of people who go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And I always think it's, it's you know, it's, it's good to think that, but I promise you, you can't. You might better do it for a day or two or three days, but I bet you can't do it 40 years down the line. That's the trick. That is the trick to it. And you get some dreadful egos in radio. I mean, really, some atrocious egos. It's all right to believe that you're good. <coughs> but, you know, it's, it's different when you start telling anybody every day. Anyway, you're listening to the enormously successful Steve Allen show. It's on LBC till seven o'clock. I might go for a jog tomorrow morning before the start of the programme. Not. <laughs> you're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Eight minutes to five-ish. I say ish because nobody really cares at this time of the morning. Gene says, it just shows you, Steve, nobody's bigger than the programme. I'm glad he's gone. Well, I agree. I didn't watch the programme, not necessarily for Brendan or for anybody else on it. We watched it because you wanted to see the audience. You wanted to hear what the judges were going to say. Unfortunately, with Brendan, Mr Gobby, 
Mr Ego, Mr Big Headed, decided to argue with, with the judges. That's not the, the premise of the programme. You dance, you're paid to dance, OK? You dance with your partner, you rehearse it, you do whatever it is you do and you get paid a fee. That enables you to go around the country and do a little dance show. I mean, look at poor old Ola Jordan and her dreary husband. They're having to do their little show. And oh, wait a minute, it's been cancelled, hasn't it? Didn't they cancel a lot of... The, uh, one of them was cancelled, didn't she fall ill, or was it due to lack of ticket sales? I can't remember. I'm sure that they were booked to go on tour, and then in the back of my mind I've got this this thing that they uh, that the dates had been postponed. There you go, they've cancelled. Have they cancelled all of it? Yeah, strictly... Where is it, where is it, where? Uh, so, oh, they've already done one. Oh, yeah, James... Uh, they're hugely saddened to have to announce the postponement of their forthcoming UK tour this March. So there you go. So they've actually cancelled. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, who cares? It's dancing. What's the word? People who like dance want to go and do it. They don't want to. It says here, um, 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 James will make a full recovery. And in fact, the medical team is surprised with how quick he's recovered so far. However, to ensure that there's no reoccurrence, his medical team has strongly recommended further conservative management of the healing period, which means... The tour will need to be postponed. Oh, there was also an apology from James and Ola. Don't apologise. Nobody cares. Nobody's bothered. You know, there's other people to go and see out there. I mean, she, she was dropped from the programme. Again, you know, once you think you're bigger than the programme, once you think you're cleverer than the programme, once you start doing stories and once you start posing all over the place, you're taking the, uh, the programme down the wrong avenue. Each... Each programme, if I was a producer, I'd be... That's why Richard Bacon was fired from Blue Peter. You cannot have a coke-taking presenter of Blue Peter. You just you can't have it, and they had to make that decision. And so they took the unprecedented step of announcing on air. The producer went on air to announce why he was not there anymore. I mean, I'd, whether it harmed him, I'd, I don't know. I've got no idea. But the, there was an awful... He seems to have disappeared now, doesn't he? Where, where, do, where does Richard Bacon operate now from? We think he lives in America. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, something like that will happen. You know, and I've, I've got a lot of people that I know who've gone to live in America uh, and people who've gone to work over there. Some people very successfully. Uh, some people do it for a little while, then they come back because they admit that it's a, it's a cutthroat business out there. Really cutthroat business. You're, you're fighting against a lot of people who are really good at what they do and they know how to do it. They power dress, they do everything. You know, somebody like Gemma Collins would last about five seconds. She's already causing trouble for this celebrities go dating because mainly she can't find anybody, but she can't find anybody in the real world, let alone in the silly little world of make-believe. She can't turn up on time. She's apparently throwing diva, diva strops and all the way. And you think, who are you? Just some fat Essex bird. There's no, no, no more than that. You don't juggle. You don't do anything. You don't design clothes. What do you do? Nothing. You, you, you've got a potty mouth. You've bedded Arge on numerous occasions. We know that because we've seen it on the Blooming Essex programme. So not telling anybody anything, uh, anything new at all. And, um, and then you have the audacity to turn up late. She turned up late for the interview with Piers Morgan. You know, obviously, you know, car turns up, plenty of time. Are you ready yet? Nah, GC ain't ready yet. Going to get ready in a moment, don't worry. You know, because she was too thick. Turned up very late and um, uh, very... <laughs> Or I've just read something which is very funny. I must read it in a minute. And um, and um, and says... I'm sorry, I forgot where I was going with this one, actually. That's right. The GC. And so she gets there. Then she nearly misses the uh, the National Television Awards. And now on this programme, she's turning up late. Why? Because she thinks she can. 
She thinks she can. It's going to come back and bite her on a big fat arse, I promise you. Steve, there's a fruit and veg market trader near me. He always says apples and pears. What should I tell him to say? Uh, beetroot? Can't think of anything else, actually. Richard Bacon does have a TV news magazine show on Fox in America. Uh, he lives in L.A. And he's uh, done lots of stuff for the National Geographic Channel, including going hiking with Barack Obama. Well, there you go. Steve, I used to listen to Chris Evans when he had a Saturday morning show on a local radio station when he was he was quite entertaining. Not a patch on your show, says CJ. Oh, I don't know. Could, I mean, could we say that? Is that? I mean, heavens above, I don't know. He'd be very if, if he heard that, he'd be probably quite upset. Actually, I'd probably I'd probably have an email fired off or something like that. You know, to my boss, going, you know, Steve Allen was being very rude about me this morning on his show. <laughs> I think secretly he'd probably like it. Secretly, I think he would probably... I have bumped into him a couple of times when I've been to screenings. In fact, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was him. Because he um, he, he jogs everywhere. You know, not unsimilar to myself. Both have bodies which are temples, just that mine was burnt down in the Great Blitz. And um, and, and as I went through to go to the uh, to the toilet. And, and, uh, and this voice said, Steve... And I went, yes, thinking, oh, it'll be a fan. So I get my pen out to Chris Evans. I went, oh, right. And he was there with his son. And, uh, and we bumped each other on a couple of, couple of occasions. But, uh, I mean, I should imagine if he heard this, this programme this morning, he'd be devastated. There'd be tears and everything. And uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I, th- I think the word would be devastated. <laughs> I'm in such a good mood today. I don't know why, because it's only Wednesday. I feel this week's going really fast. It's getting ever nearer my birthday. Ever nearer. If I live to be 37 and a half again, will be a miracle. I don't know what you're supposed to do on your birthday now. Cry a lot, I've decided. I don't know what you're supposed to do. It's like, it's my brother's uh, girlfriend's birthday coming. I don't know what to buy some. If it's your brother's girlfriend, do I buy flowers? I mean, chocolates they've had. That Believe you me, they get enough chocolates at Christmas to last them through till at least the middle of the year. So vacuum cleaner. I could repack one of the vacuum cleaners. I could give her an... I've got a very nice AirTech. That's like £300 worth. I'm not spending that much on somebody. That's way too expensive. No, no, it have to be something cheaper. I don't know, though. I mean, I really... Oh, I don't know. It's very difficult, isn't it, to know what to buy. So I brought a lovely card. The card she'll like a lot. It's a beautiful card. Very expensive card. £8 card. £8. It's a very beautiful card. And uh, I don't... Oh, I don't know what to get her. Chocolate. I think it'll be flowers. I think I'll just go and get... Go and buy a bunch of roses from Marks and Spencers. No, sorry, not Marks and Spencers. I'll go to Waitrose. They must have them in there, mustn't they? Those fair trade things. Anyway, we've got the uh, the news coming up this morning. I'm, oh, I've lost my thing. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast on LBC. This is uh, next week we find out, don't we, whether or not we've retained the spike. I'd be so disappointed if we didn't, but I think I think we're uh, we're OK. Uh, Meghan Markle's ditched all her pals. Dame Helen Mirren plays a tortured Winchester Widow. It's such an interesting story, I promise you. It, it sounds quite dull, but I promise you it's interesting. Paul Simon, his UK shows will be the last. Trump delivers his first State of the Union address. Took much longer than usual. I think there was an 111 clapping moments. It just did not stop. Brendan Cole got the chop. We're never going to hear the end of that one. Kate's fashion faux pas in Sweden. And 4,000 people quit Labour in a week. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a very nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday. Cold. It is cold outside. I think we're going in for another cold snap. You know, and I think, I mean, I don't know whether retro tumblers, friend of mine, retro tumblers. 
you like this retro thing. This this friend of mine got a retro tea flask or a flask uh, for Christmas, and apparently that was the best present. So cool and so happy. Lovely to have around. I quite fancy it. A retro. I don't know what her place is like, though. That sounds a bit odd, doesn't it, really? Perhaps I'm supposed to know this uh, this kind of thing. But uh, but I don't, actually. Everybody even comments on them when you serve a drink in them. Retro tumblers. So where am I going to get retro tumblers from? Oh, here we go. Here we go. We found them. Ravenhead. Slim Jims. Blue, yellow, floral glasses on, ease, on eBay. <laughs> Ravenhead. Do you know why I remember Ravenhead glasses? Because when they used to do uh, quite nice things... You could see that they were split in half and they, they glued them together kind of thing. They were sort of made in two halves. Ravenhead glasses. And, you know, they still made the blooming things. Uh, Steve, uh, I think you should buy your brother's partner a spa day. Now, I don't think you can buy somebody a spa day if you're not, if you're not related to somebody and it's somebody's girlfriend, uh, my brother's girlfriend. And then um, uh, somebody says, I discovered a song yesterday I've never heard before. What, what are you, three? It's called Tiptoe Through the Tulips. It was uh, recorded by um, a guy called, what was his name? Tiny Tim, which wasn't his name at all. Um, His real name was Herbert Buckingham Corey. And he he began singing uh, with this little guitar kind of thing. He was rather peculiar, actually. He he looked very odd. He did, uh, he was a ukulele player. And he died in 1996. He had a he had a run in with the law, and I think it was something fairly serious. Um, um, it was wait a minute. I'm having a bit. He, 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 his remains were entombed in a mausoleum at Lakewood Cemetery, but there was definitely something that he did. I'm sure because he he was diabetic and heart conditions. Ooh, wait a minute. And he had his third wife called Miss Sue. But I'm sure there was something else that that went on. I'm sure there was something else in his life that he was accused of. He had a run-in with the uh, with with the police. I'm pretty certain. Anyway, he he did have a he was performing and he did tiptoe through the tulips, which was very odd. Did you ever hear it? It was a very peculiar renditioning of tiptoe through the tulips, which he sung in a in a falsetto voice. He wasn't feeling well, so he goes to do this performance. By the end of it, most of the audience had left, and then he suffered a heart attack, another heart attack on stage. It was the women's club. His wife said, are you all right? And uh, he collapsed at the table, never regained consciousness. He was pronounced dead just an hour later. But the the song Tiptoed Through the Tubes had this, oh, tiptoed through the tulips by the window. So it went on. And I remember thinking then he was slightly odd. He he was slightly peculiar. He used to wear lipstick, I seem to remember. Nothing to matter with that. Loads of people I know wear lipstick. (laughs) So... Friend of mine says, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, sort of you misinforming your masses, but it's currently 8.5 degrees in London. I think that's cold. 8.5 degrees. Double it and add 30. So 16, 46. I think 46 is cold. Certainly cold when I stood outside this morning. Not icy, icy cold, but I mean, I do feel the cold more than most people. So I think 8 point. I think that's chilly. I know that I've been into minus 30. We've probably both been in minus 20s and stuff like that. But I, th- I think eight is cold. I'm looking forward to summer this year. So I can wear some Hawaiian shirt. I haven't put a Hawaiian shirt on for a few days. Occasionally I do it as a cheering up kind of thing. But, but the rest of the time I can't, uh, can't really be bothered. So tiptoe through the tulips. Yes, a very well-known song. Tiny Tim admitted that he desired young women. That was the problem, wasn't it? Yeah, or girls. 
to be honest. And uh, and that was that was sort of what brought about his his sort of downfall. Really, he wasn't a, he wasn't a paedophile, but he did say he was attracted. I think mentally, he was he was like Michael Jackson was drawn to young people. That was his inspiration, you know, for uh, for sort of the way that he was. I was watching Michael actually back at the it must have been either Grammy Awards first time he did moonwalking. And I remember thinking, wow, I tried to do it. I just look ridiculous. Seriously, I mean, yeah. I think there's a, there's a way that some people can do moonwalking and there's a way that you can't, and I can't. Uh, Nick Knowles has got a new love. He's 55. She's 25. Well, it's obviously her way of becoming famous, isn't it? You know, that's, you know. I mean, do people really of that age fall in love with each other? Uh, we've now got to hear loads of stuff about Kelly Brook. Feminists are taking darts girls' rights away. This is the right to walk about in a bikini, of course, escorting people onto the stage and stuff like that, because that's where Kelly Brook started, I think, doing for Formula One. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing bosses have axed Brendan Cole because of his huge ego and difficult behaviour. Yeah, it's just that he, he hasn't learnt. He was told about it uh, a while ago, and he didn't, he didn't pay, pay any heed to it. As I say, it's like, you know, if, if you had a programme on the television, like uh, something like that, well, then you would, and you, you want the whole thing to work properly. I could be quite difficult at times, I should imagine. You know, if I've got somebody working on the programme who I don't think is working, I shall have no hesitation in telling my boss to say, listen, I don't want to work with this person. It's negative vibes, it's not working, and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make you a diva. It makes you, yeah, all right, we'll apologise more. Letter from your mother would be very useful. Producer trying to get round me now. A little bit late in the day, you know, the damage has been done. Two metal detectorists... I think that's what you call them, uh, are very excited. They thought they'd found a fortune in Roman gold coins. So they unearthed them. And uh, Andy Sampson and his pal Paul Adams uh, were scouring a ploughed field. I don't know where the BBC sitcom had been filming there. It was called The Detectorist, and they'd just got all these fake coins, so they dug them up again. Which, <laughs> how embarrassing, but there you go. Uh, lots of pictures of Brendan Cole being all emotional on television. I don't know why you surprised, Brendan. You know you're offensive. You know that, you know, that you weren't liked. You just can't go around doing that, you know. You can be big-headed, but you, the moment you start arguing with people on a programme and you start thinking you're the big I am, it's the moment they go, enough. Nobody's bigger than that programme. Nobody is bigger than that programme. Uh, Jackie says, what about perfume or a nice plant for the garden, such as Magnolia Susan? Cut flowers are a bind and roses don't last five minutes. Oh, I don't know. Might just be a box of Quality Street or something like that. I don't know what else. It's just, it's very difficult. I don't, how, how do you buy something for somebody? Really? Um, uh, posh, seething and furious at selfish Beck's Miami move. Well, he hasn't wasted any time. Getting away from her, he's been in a dirty little nightclub owned by a killer, ladies and gentlemen, already. Because David Beckham is easily led, as we know from previous experiences. And uh, I'm making a prediction now. I think they're going to separate. I don't know why. I, there's no basis for this whatsoever, apart from the fact that, you know, that you don't see them out very often. When you do, it's a photo opportunity to go, oh, look, here they are together. This is the excuse he needs to be himself. Because up until now, she's obviously controlled everything he wears, everything he does. You know, far from him being in control, she wears the trousers. He might make the money, she wears the trousers. He's not the brightest penny in the box, as we've all discovered. You know, people tell jokes about Davy Boy Beckham, and they'll probably be telling him about Brooklyn very shortly. But I think this is the excuse he needs to get away... So he's going to America. She's staying here with the kids. And he said, I'll see them every so often. I'm thinking, you'll see them every so often? What does that mean? That means it's a trial separation. I bet you. I bet you anything else. A friend of mine's just, uh, just moved in with his girlfriend. Never lived with anybody before. 
like that. And I said to, to him the other day, I said, how, how, how's it going? And he said, no, oh, it's going well. It's going good. Which is quite exciting, actually, isn't it, really? And uh, Paul, Paul Cooper says, how about buying her a lovely fruit basket? Could do. Could do. But that means, you know, you've got to get a fruit basket, take it down there. And it does make it look a bit like Harvest Festival, you know, or an elderly put. And she's not that elderly, you know, she's going to be... <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, I don't know. Bunch of bananas? Coconuts? Mango? Box of mango, Paul. How about a box of mango? Uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm making a prediction now. I'm putting a penny on the table that says they're going to go for trial separation. They'll, and, and they'll blame it on the fact that it's work, the pressure of work. She's got her business to look after because it's losing money. And he's got this Miami thing, which you can only do if you're over in Miami, apparently. Perhaps he's never heard about video conferencing or anything like that. Perhaps he needs to be there. But already he's out in a nightclub till five in the morning. That does not look good. She would not approve of that. She's the one who's trying to sort of elevate the family to this sort of this sort of position. But they've only just had the Cotswold house finish. So what's the point of that? Who's going to live in that one? They're just going to have it sitting there. They've got this Spartan, practically empty house at Notting Hill, which is very thin. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, control is, as a friend of mine points out, uh, not only does she wear the trousers, she designs them as well. You see, and Dave, you know, I just, I've seen him being interviewed. I just think he's a bit, bit geeky. You know, I don't think he's got any business sense on his head at all. I think he just goes, he's just a face, isn't he? They go, OK, Dave, can you advertise pants? Yeah, so he advertises pants. Can you advertise whiskey? Yeah, he'll advertise whiskey. Can you advertise a leather jacket? Yeah. Can you advertise a motorbike? Yeah, advertise a motorbike. He doesn't care. That's why the money's come rolling in. She's trying to elevate her side of it, but it's not working. Eight and a half million pound losses, not good. But I don't know anybody who'd want to buy Victoria Beckham over Dolce & Gabbana and Versace and... Simayaki and places like that. I don't. I don't know why. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I might have got the whole thing back to front, and their marriage is super duper strong. But we've had things before where you know she's she'll be on the phone to him. What are you doing coming out of a nightclub at five in the morning? Why don't you? S-? You go, <laughs> just imagine, can't you? Just imagine. Mark says advertising. I know, but for presents and some lovely handmade cards, uh, look on a website called. Thank you. Yeah. I want to know where I'm getting retro mugs from and cups. I think, actually, I quite like the idea of sort of something for something for the summer. And a set of retro mugs and a jug would be quite nice. Because, you know, you have people around, you go, lemon squash, anybody? I think that's quite nice. Or large gin and it, or large gin and tonic, with, or pims, or stuff like that. I think that's quite a good idea, actually. So it might be one of the better ideas. If only I could afford them. But I'm sure I shall scrape the money together somehow. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. So the happiness that the Tramadol girl is still in prison in Egypt. They've said, no, she's not coming out. So that was good news. I was very happy about that one. Uh, Brendan Cole's been dropped from Strictly. Should have happened years and years ago. You cannot have somebody standing there arguing with the judges. He's paid to dance. They're paid to judge. You know, the fact that he might not agree with them is neither here nor there. But then I hit on something. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine started talking about going to church. And I remember thinking, you've never mentioned church before. And they started to wait, yeah, when I went to church. And they started putting it on their Twitter. You know, they've only got a few people watching them. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't work out why they'd be all of a sudden talking about going to church. Had they recently had an epiphany? Had they recently started going there because they'd seen the light? Or was I being totally cynical to think, wait a minute... This person has a child. 
They're not trying to get them into a church school, are they, by any chance? I, was, I thought about that and I thought, no, nobody would be that cynical. Nobody would be that cynical. And then I suddenly thought, I bet they are. I bet they're trying to get their child into a church school. Because if you're seen going to church and you talk about it, because they've never mentioned religion in their entire life, in all the years that I've known them, and it's got to be a good 20 years that I've known this person. Never mentioned church, never mentioned religion. And all of a sudden, in fact, it was only pointed out by another friend of mine saying, oh, that, that's quite normal. They're actually trying to get a child into a church school. I said, is it? And they went, oh, yeah, lots of parents do that. You know, if, if you're trying to get your, your, your child into a Catholic school, you make sure you're seen at the local Catholic church. And then they go, oh, yes, of course, you, oh, they're, they're churchgoers. And I, it never crossed my mind, actually. Never crossed my mind that somebody would be that cynical going to church, not at all religious, but purely to get their, their child into a church school. Just thought I'd mention it. Bet that rings a bell with a load of people. Uh, a friend of mine says it's 9.5 degrees now. You're needing to get a life. You must not look at the temperature all the time. And it started to rain. Oh, God. I didn't bring an umbrella today. I took the umbrella out in the bag because it was too um, it was too heavy. Too heavy. It's an umbrella. It's a small umbrella, but I don't care. I've got a hat. I get wet, I get wet. I've got a flat cap with me, so there's no... It's funny, I'm at that age now. I think I look good in a flat cap. I've just kind of got used to wearing it. But I've got an interview today. Yesterday we had Max Beasley in. Max Beasley, um, actor... Playboy, settle down now. Uh, ever so nice. He's got his first album coming out, but he wasn't in to talk about that. He was in to talk about television and how television has changed over the years. So it's a nice chat, which hopefully you'll hear this weekend. And uh, he also, his, as far as I was concerned, he played percussion at Robbie Williams's date at Nebworth. The dates that Robbie did at Nebworth, Max Beasley is playing percussion. And he also did Take That as well because he's a musician and an actor. And, of course, he knows Meghan Markle because he's done Suits. And uh, he was ever so nice, ever so nice. Today, I've got uh, the actor Adrian Lester, who I, I know him as a stage actor. You probably know him from Hustle and from a, a new series which is coming out called Trauma, in which uh, I think he's going to be a doctor. So we have to be asking about all these complicated words, you know, pulmonary... Something. Whatever it happens to be, you've got to learn how to pronounce all these. We're bad enough trying to remember your lines, let alone remembering all the illnesses that you've got. Uh, 84850, uk. Angelina Jolie was out with her brood the other day. And uh, she's got six children. Six children, which they sort of... I think they're all adopted, I seem to remember. So you've got uh, Pax, you've got Zahara, Knox, Vivian, Maddox and Shiloh. I mean, perhaps these are American names to me. I mean, why would you call somebody Knox? K-N-O-X. That's a boy. Uh, Vivian, normal. Maddox is 16. And Shiloh. And uh, here they all are out in Paris. That's our mummy. And she's very rich. So uh, that's why they've got loads and loads of children. Which is quite nice, isn't it? Uh, more of your texts and emails coming in. Let's whiz through these. It does happen. My sister-in-law did it. To get her children into a school, says Debbie. So hypocritical. Uh, Steve, the church school thing is standard practice, says Jonathan. Is it? It's not really. Is it really? I'd love to tell you who the person is, but you don't know them, so it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, Steve, you could buy a lovely retro wall painting or get a photo of them both enlarged and framed. Oh, no, we don't do things like that in our family. Oh, no. Even though my, my brother's youngest is a photographer. She's a wedding photographer. She takes pictures of... Uh, she's booked up all this year. She's only young. 
So she's only young. And uh, somebody says, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very late. And I've only just uh, managed to get on the spike. Sorry to be late, sir. Do I need a note from my mother? Well, it depends whether she's in the cemetery or walking around near you. I mean, the answer is, it's, uh, we only allow people to make the mistake once. Only once. Oh, I must tell you, I was going to tell you a really good story, actually, about an internet troll. And uh, I decided to save it. And the reason I'm saving it, and it's such a good story. It's, I mean, it really is a very good story, because I am the man who tells good stories. Uh, and I, I, I can't tell you about it yet, because they're going to get a visit from the police today. And uh, so I'm sort of saving it because my my excitement is unbounded at the moment. But I mean, this this church school thing. So that's normal, is it? You go to church, you pretend you're going to church. I might confront them over it. I might confront them over it and go, I know why you're going to church. Trying to get uh, trying to get your, your, your child into a church school, aren't you? That's why, because that's the one thing that parents have a problem with. We had somebody in the place where I lived years and years ago, and they were using it as an address to get the kid into the local school. They didn't live there. The the, the child was not there at all. Uh, What is the it in gin and it, says Andy? We've told you what the it is. How many times have we told you what, what the it is? How many times have we done gin and it? Gin and it. And it's and we it's vermouth. That's it. Isn't it? So it's vermouth, uh, sweet vermouth. And uh, it comes from, uh, you know, so it's gin and it, three parts gin, one part Italian vermouth, like martini. You just stir it with ice. I mean, it's not a bad cocktail if you like that kind of thing. And uh, so that, that's gin and it. So now you know what it is. And uh, it says up here in Mansfield, they think a lager and lime's a cocktail. Oh, I, uh, hello. I should imagine they probably think a lager and lime up there in, in, in a bit of a puff drink, isn't it? I would have thought. Lager and lime? Who drinks lager and lime? Pint of stout, mate. Pint of stout. Do you know I can't drink anything like that? I don't know why. There must be something in my body that kind of rejects it. I worked in a pub years ago. I've worked in bars, done everything. I can't drink lager and lime. I can't drink beers. Mild, bitter, bottled beers. Nothing like that at all. I don't even like cider. But, you know, the idea in summer, you, people are coming in gasping for a drink. They go, pint of lager and lime, mate. I wasn't their mate, but they just called me mate. And, um, and, and, and you pour a pint of lager and lime. I should look at it thinking, yuck. And you watch people drinking it. And then they come out, another one. And you think, ooh, dear, what's the matter with these people? Not so good. Brendan Cole was on the Lorraine show yesterday, says Sally, in tears. Well, somebody should have told him. Somebody, somebody should have uh, definitely told him. That uh, it was imminent anyway. Perfect uh, birthday present, says Paul. Woolworth's gift vouchers. Oh, I gave her those last year. Shouldn't appreciate them at all. Steve, the lady who smuggled Tramadol. I'm not saying it's right because it's not. Do you not think she should be sent back to a British prison? If it was cocaine, marijuana, then she should be in an Egypt prison. No, why do we want to pay for her? What do we want to... You want to waste your taxpayers' money, do you? Fool. Must be an all-out-out and out fool. It was a crime in Egypt. didn't happen here. It happened in Egypt. You stay there. You rot in that prison. I couldn't care less. She's only in there for three years. Mind you, I shouldn't imagine the shop will keep her job open for her. But no, no. If, if the crime was committed over there, surely, I mean, you know, unless you've got half a brain cell, you serve the, you, you serve the sentence in there. Why would you want her to add her onto your, your, your bill? Why would you want to do that? Unless you're particularly stupid. You know, you go, oh, let's bring them back over here. Bad enough when we drag back the convicted drug smugglers, the Peru too. I'd have left them to rot. I seriously would have left them rot because they weren't rotting at all. One of them ran the local beauty shop in the prison. That's how cushy these prisons are. So don't believe all this gubbins you're getting from the Tramadol woman. 
You know, they're, they're prisons. They're not inhumane. This is Egypt. They were doing civilization before we were, you know, we were dragging people around by their hair and clubbing them. They were building pyramids. They were sort of covering people in gold and embalming and everything else. And we're clubbing people over the head. So, uh, no, 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 don't believe this rubbish. It's just, it's a myth put out by the family. Oh, she might, you remember the, the first things we heard from her a short while ago? Oh, she says, I can't survive in here. What? So what? So what? You're a drug smuggler. You know, we know what you are. I'm sorry, I've, it's, I've got no sympathy for these people. No sympathy whatsoever. Still 9.5 degrees out there. I think that's cold, unless you're going out in a pair of Speedos. In which case, because you get people who jump into frozen rivers, don't you, to go swimming. Russians, Russians, women, Russian women do that. Jump in Lake Wooch. And you go, you're mad. They sit in a sauna, nice and warm and toasty, and then go and jump in the blooming... What is the point of people nowadays? They've all gone mad. Kate's latest fashion faux pas in Sweden. Two things. First of all, uh, she's wearing what looks like the curtains. Secondly, they've also admitted they've got IKEA furniture. I've told you, I've got no idea, no idea at all. I bet you Posh has got something like that. Oh, we've got a piece of Tracy M in art, have you? Where is it then? We didn't see any pictures of it. And we've got some Banksy's. I don't believe them. I really don't believe them. She's far too tight. Does it? She even wears her own clothes. Doesn't even acknowledge the fact there's anybody else. What was the other thing I was going to mention, actually? Oh, the talking whales. We've decided they're not talking whales at all. Definitely not. What was the other thing I was talking about? Oh, yes, Kate over in Sweden. They think she was wearing a real fur hat. I would hope not. And I'm not great big banner waving fur. Because somebody said to me the other day in the office, what, what was the fur on my coat? And I joked and said musquash. And they went, oh, I hope not. And I thought, I don't know what it is, actually. I think it's just faux fur. I think it's, well, I'm hoping it's further. Be awful if it, so far it's not moved, so I'm assuming it's it's pretty okay. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to the uh, the biggest audience in our time slot. I mean, I don't think it can get much bigger, but I'm hoping it can. Uh, Chris says, as the parents say at our school gate, on your knees or pay the fees. I didn't realise. You've, you've kind of opened my eyes to this one. You've opened my eyes to this one. I've never thought about it before. So that's why this friend of mine would be starting going to church. And he started, he started talking about going to church. I thought you'd never mentioned church before, whereas I did go to church. You know, for many years, I was a chorister. La, 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 la. And uh, anyway, I was little, obviously. The moment my voice broke, you know, I didn't go to church. But, uh, but this person only just started talking about going to church. And it's to get his child into a school. That's what it is. I wonder why. How cynical. I'm going to confront them, I think. Uh, Steve, some friends of mine gave me gift vouchers for the pound store. I was fuming, says CJ. Uh, somebody says, I don't think anybody in the north would know what a lime is. That's lugger and lime. I think that's quite funny, actually. Lugger and lime. Puff drink. I mean, it's just so, it's sort of one of those things. They go, oh, sorry, should we have an umbrella in the top? You what? An umbrella in the top? Actually, that's the only thing they haven't got in Coronation Street. So they've got a kebab shop staffed by people who you wouldn't expect to see in a kebab shop at all. Um, Angelina Jolie's kids sound like they're an Ikea furniture range. It's so cruel. So cruel. They are. They're some of the oddest names. Will you be jumping in freezing water in Hyde Park at the Serpentine Swimming Clubs in about an hour, says Bill? Um, no, no. I don't think so. Somebody says, get things into perspective. The Tramadol woman is not a serial killer. Didn't say she was. So why do you put words in people's mouths, stairs? You must try and open your ears and, and listen properly. We didn't say she was a serial killer. And um, she was stupid. 
three years is absolutely... It's, it isn't just an illegal... You are a bit thick, aren't you? It isn't just an illegal drug. This is used as a heroin substitute. I mean, surely you understand that. Surely you understand that if 300 tablets had got onto the street, that's, that's, that's dangerous. No, she should have gone to prison for ten years. She's very lucky it wasn't barley. She'd have been shot by now. They have the death penalty. Zero. And uh, she was totally aware of what it was. Even the, the boyfriend stroke husband said she knew what it was because he said if she'd said to him, I'm bringing tramadol in, he'd have said, don't bring it in. It's illegal. It's quite clearly listed as being uh, illegal. So uh, it's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, she should rot out there and stay there for the full three years. One of the judges wanted 10. I called for 10 as well. You know, the damage she could have done. And also, how does a shop girl afford 300 tramadol tablets? You know, she, the, you, you can't buy them on prescription for her. She's got them through an illegal method, so she knew exactly what she was doing. Exactly. Uh, apparently, it's the wind chill factor. Uh, not the temperature making today cold. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. It's just cold out there. Although a friend of mine says not. But then they're, they're used to sort of, you know, if I was out there walking. In, well, I was looking the other day. They had a great programme. I don't know if you saw it on the telly. And it was they were looking for farmers. There were three farmers who were down to a short list of people who'd done a lot for the community. And all three of them, I thought, were excellent. There was some Irish farmers, husband and wife. And they turned the farm around. There was uh, another couple who had turned it around, were making their own cheeses and yoghurts and stuff like that. And then there was a family who had turned their farm into... It's a working farm, into a, into a theme park, basically, with funfair rides, and you could go and see uh, lambs, and you could go and see horses, and you could go and see uh, all manner of animals in there. And they've, they've turned it around very well indeed. And it was ended up being won by the couple I wanted to win. I was so thrilled for them. He, he, he didn't seem particularly bothered by the thing. But then when they won, he said, oh, I, shall, I don't know where, where to put this thing now. And they turned the farm around. And I thought, all too often, the whole event was hosted by the fabulous Giles Brandreth. And it's a case of you sort of you look at Giles and you think he's so clever. I mean, he is so, so clever. Seriously, he's, he's just one of those sort of people. He's, he's a great after dinner speaker. In fact, I think he's on record with Nicholas Parsons as doing the longest after dinner speeches. And he knows everything about everything. He's one of those. He just absorbs knowledge. I remember things and then it regurgitates itself at the wrong time, which is always quite funny. And um, and then we always sort of discover at, at the end of the day, something new that we didn't know at the beginning of the day. I didn't know about farming, and yet I used to live in the countryside. And I remember, as I watched them walking through their farm in Wellingtons, we were talking about Wellington boots the other day on the programme, that people go out there in the countryside. It's quite normal to see people wearing wellies turn, turning up at the local farm and turning up at the local pub and stuff like that. And I just thought they, they just... And they had a night out in London. They went, went to the dinner at the Dorchester, and then they stayed in, a, in the hotel... And they had a really nice time. I, was, I, I thought, it's quite nice. These people, who are the unsung heroes, one of them, I think he was the one responsible who won, who brought over milk machines. So these milk machines were located outside farms, and the milk literally came out of the cow and then ended up in this machine, which chilled it, and you could go and take your bottle down there and fill your, your bottle up with fresh milk, which was literally only about an hour old. Because I don't know, when I buy milk in a supermarket, I've got no idea how old the milk is. I, I really don't know how old the milk is. It could have been three days ago. I, I really don't know. But watching these farmers working, I suddenly realised, my God, this sense of community 
out out in the countryside is is quite something. Quite quite something. Eight four eight five zero cbdlbc dot dot uh, Unmask the very middle class mob that stormed the Churchill Cafe, and here they all are. Uh, Dimitri Cotain, a social anthropology and politics student at uh, the School of Oriental and African Studies, says he's passionate about social social justice. I don't know what these people are doing there. Without Churchill, these people wouldn't have been allowed to do anything at all. But they're not bright enough to know that. Halimo Hussein, a leader of the cafe protest, the politics student believes taxpayers should fund her disruptive lifestyle. I'd rather you disappeared, dear, somewhere. Hamish Anderson grew up in a three-quarters of a million pound house. He's a real champagne socialist, this one. Uh, since moving to London, he's uh, studying music and history at SOAS. He's been an active member of the student union and a keen Labour supporter. Uh, Timesh Pillay, a junior doctor working in a West London hospital. Another one of these people that now lives in a house worth £700,000. So nice, isn't it, when you see these middle class activists. Nisha Phillips, an undergraduate, grew up in the Australian capital Canberra. Her mother is an associate professor of human geography. And um, earlier this month, the academic gushed on Facebook about her daughter's energy for life and passion for justice. Yeah, she's the SOAS student union officer for democracy and un- and uh, education. And they're all complaining about the cafe. This is the Churchill Cafe. They all stand there, very middle class, very loaded. You know, it's a case of don't do what I do, do what I say. But uh, unfortunately, we just ignore that. And uh, Phil Vickery's up this morning. I wonder what we're doing. To- I noticed he did fish and chips the other day on the programme. Oh, this morning he did fish and chips. And I thought, oh, fish and chips. I quite like fish and chips. I don't have it very often. But if I go out to a retro pub or... You know, one of those gastro pubs. I do like beer batter. I'm never sure it is beer batter, fish and chips. And um, <laughs> a friend of mine says, I see you bought next door. Are you knocking through? Um, well, I, I was sorry, wait a minute. I was I was hoping to knock through, hoping to knock through. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon, actually. Is this for all the awards I'm going to win? This friend of mine is totally convinced that around the corner there's going to be loads of awards. I've only ever had two awards, but I'm quite happy with two awards. I'm not, you don't come into the business to sort of to win an award. Oh, today, mutton hot pot. Now, what was I reading about mutton the other day? Somebody made mutton fashionable because it, it wasn't fashionable at one time. And then I think they've done some recipes in Country Life on mutton. And we love a hot pot. Is that with sort of potatoes and carrots? I had last night vegetable rice with sweet corn. And I thought it was healthy. I'm not sure if it was healthy or not. I mean, whatever. It doesn't make any difference, does it? It's what I had and uh, keeps me going for another day. But mutton hot pot. So you're presumably going to take the mutton, cut it into chunks, brown it off in a pan, set it to one side and then fill a stock pot up or a saucepan with um, some sort of gravy in there. Mutton hot pot. Could you have dumplings with that? Dumplings with a mutton hot pot or just the mutton with a nice rich gravy with carrots, maybe some broccoli, something I'm trying to think what else you'd put with it, leeks, potatoes. It's what they call a winter warmer. It's what they call a winter warmer. That's what we like, actually. We love a winter warmer. You know, so beef stew and dumplings, I love. I absolutely love things like that. (laughs) Phil Vickery says, get you, Keith Floyd. I've not had a drink. Don't start that one. I've not had a drink at this time of the morning. I could, do you know, the one thing I could never be, he says, holding his hands up, saying, I don't think I could ever be an alcoholic. Because alcoholics could drink at this time of the morning. I couldn't do that. I absolutely couldn't. I think there's a certain time of day, although I did watch Four in a Bed. 
And they didn't have alcohol, but on their plate for breakfast was fried bread. I noticed somebody had two pieces of fried bread, and I salivated watching the television. I was looking at it going, oh, they've got fried bread. And I, I refuse. I've never fried anything in my kitchen for 20 years. I wouldn't, because I'm, I'm worried, A, about the thing catching fire, knowing my luck. Uh, or secondly, I'm thinking, no, 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 you can't have that. But I thought, I wonder if you went to the Dorchester and you stayed there and they'd go, what would you like for breakfast, sir? And I said, well, I'd like a couple of eggs. Uh, they'd have to be cooked on both sides. I don't like runny yolks. Yuck, yuck, yuck. No, thank you. One sausage and a piece of bacon, some beans and two pieces of fried bread. <laughs> I've decided I'm quite counsel. I don't care. I just fancy fried bread, but I haven't had it for ages. I had it once at Squire's Garden Centre and it was revolting. What they'd done is they'd cooked it and it was it was too cooked because they, they then put it in one of these hot plate things. And, of course, it's brittle. The moment you cut into it, it just shatters into a thousand pieces. And quite clearly, somebody hasn't got the faintest idea how to cook fried bread. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Steve says, Nuri, that church-going business just to get your kids to school drives me mad. See, listen, I've, I've had an education. I've had an epiphany. Well... About an hour ago I did. But, you know, I've had... Because uh, I didn't realise that that's what... I thought this person had discovered God. I seriously was that naive. This is because a friend of mine started saying he was going to church on a Sunday. Uh, you know, you can go other days of the week. They don't just have Sunday services. They're very busy vicars nowadays. They're generally looking after about three or four churches. And I remember thinking, but you've never mentioned church before. And all of a sudden going off to church and doing... And then I suddenly realised it was only, you know, weeks before he'd been talking about getting his child into a school and trying to get the right school. That's what he's doing. He's trying to get a church school. By going to church, he's doing the roundabout way. Oh, look, so-and-so goes to church. That's what it is. It's interesting. Uh, My brother-in-law did the same thing, says Nuri. Went to church two or three times, trying to tell everybody he found God. Once the kid got to school, he's never been since. I felt like ringing the school to complain. <gasps> wow. Karen says, I did the very same and started taking my son to church. When applying for a church place, the school requires a form to be completed by the vicar. As proof, you do go. So few people go to church these days that non-church places in schools have increased anywhere. Yes, I mean, that's why churches close down at the rate of God knows how many a week. Quite a number, because people don't, don't go to churches anymore. Um, and why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what it was. When I was younger, we did go to church. When we were in Hong Kong, my parents went to big church and you would sit with them. And then halfway through the service, the vicar would say, well, now all the, uh, the younger ones are going to go off to Sunday school. And uh, the Sunday school teacher would stand at the front. We'd all come out from the pews and then we'd all go off to Sunday school and have our little bit of Bible teaching. I quite liked it. <laughs> Save your epiphany for Sunday, for actual epiphany. I, can't, I just think the word is great. Don't you think the word is great, friend of mine? Epiphany. I've had an epiphany. It just, it just lends itself to all sorts of ridiculous things. Epiphany. But uh, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, with churches closing down, we've got a big one round our way, a huge one, and it's an art centre because nobody went to church there. And uh, there's one down the road which came up for sale, which is lovely. Steve says, little Julie, I'm surprised Brendan didn't go ages ago. His moaning was getting boring. I mean, it was then when he sat on the terrace. I think he suddenly realised, oh dear, not the brightest penny I thought I was because I've now been dropped. Um, um, I think he started the curse of Strictly. 
because he sort of dropped his fiance. The trouble is, he always thought he was clever. I don't mind anybody in the business having an ego. I promise you, it really doesn't. I work in a business which is full of ego. Some people who think they're really the bee's knees, but it turns out they're not. It turns out they're not. And you suddenly think to yourself, you know, um, you know, why, why did he not realise ages ago that it isn't big, it isn't clever? Without that programme, Brendan Cole is nothing. That programme made him. That programme makes them. That's why you've got so many of these dancing programmes going on around the country. People sit in a theatre, you know, and watch somebody dancing on the stage. We might as well stay at home with a DVD. What's the point of going out to a theatre? Go buy a DVD. Much better. Much, much better. So I'm, I'm also surprised, little Julie, that he didn't go ages ago because, you know, with an ego like that and he thought he was it and he, he's had his temper, tantrums and all the rest of it. I'm sorry. You're paid as a dancer. Get out there and dance. Teach this person how to dance. Make sure they do it properly and then come back and the judges will judge you. Just because you don't like what they say, that's kind of tough. You know, that's tough. So, uh, you know, just as well. But anyway, you've managed to get a few pages of coverage. Kept you going, hasn't it? Apparently, Phil Vickery says fried bread in bacon fat is the best. But it's got to be... My mother used to make fried bread, so it was soft in the middle. This one I had a few weeks ago at Squire's Garden Centre in Twickenham. It was ghastly. I don't know how they even had the audacity to put it out as fried bread. They might as well have just sort of put a piece of concrete outside and then smash it with a hammer. It was really dreadful. Truly dreadful. Uh, Payday today... Steve, I'm going to the shops to buy some new trainers. Can I get away with blue ones or red? I'm 51. Don't be so silly. Orthopaedic shoes. If you're 51, it's orthopaedic shoes. Plastic shoes. That's what you've got to get. You can't get trainers at your age. Don't be so ridiculous. People are going to look and laugh. Hi to Mr Vickery. He's my favourite celebrity chef, says Zach. He says, lamb hot pot served with hot buttered mashed potato. I've just cooked homemade pancakes with syrup. Washed down with a mug of black coffee. God, it sounds disgusting. I don't, I don't make pancakes. It's not because I can't toss. Believe you me, in my, in my family, I w- they used to say, people down the road used to hear about it. They'd say, that's Stephen. He's the, and they used to, and I used to say, well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, but uh, in recent years, you know, I think as you get a bit older, you can't, you know, as much as you, as you want to. Somebody said that about me in the office the other day, and they didn't even know about my cooking skills. They had no idea at all. And, and I said to her, because my auntie, she, she used to work in a, a marmalade factory, as you know. Uh, it's my aunt Doris. She used to work in the marmalade factory, and it was her job to peel the oranges by hand in those days. You had to peel by hand, and then she would take the pith out. She was the best in the factory at taking the pith out of the oranges. And uh, so in between her and me in the kitchen with the frying pan sticking the things up on the ceiling. I mean, we were a right old family. But it's funny, isn't it? That even in the office, the producer has heard that said of me. You know, and these are people I've never even mentioned Shrove Tuesday. Never even mentioned it. But I don't make them. I buy them ready done. So what I do is I get my little frying pan out. Well, it's not that little, but uh, it's reasonable size. And I put the fry and I put the th- they take for ages when my mother used to make them. Um. We, we, we could actually eat them quicker than she could make them. But all we had in those days was a squeeze of lemon, no maple syrup in my day, and a little bit of sugar, and that was it. Do you know, I nearly bought carnation milk the other day to have on some tinned pears. Tinned pears? I'm, I'm over 40. And I had tinned pears. They were delicious. 
They were absolutely delicious. <laughs> Tinned pears. Five, two, six. I only tell you the time because I know you get panicky and start thinking, oh, we're going to miss the bus. Oh, we've missed the bus. But uh, that's the way it is. You should definitely host a cooking show, says Sarah. Uh, Phil Vickery could come on and cook food and answer our culinary questions. I know that as a confirmed non-cook. I have many. And uh, from Diane on Canvey Island. Good morning. A favourite breakfast in our house is smoked haddock with a poached egg on the top. Very healthy. Um, apparently, Jane says, Aussie boy's name is Mike. Is it? Mike? No, no, no. Not, are you talking about the one that we've got? No, no, no. Cyril. Our one, Cyril. You've got Mike, have you? OK. He's got dodgy hair. The image is coming together. Now, how tall is he? Well, our one's 5'2", uh, I think. I think he's five foot two. He's having to move. This was the, he's, his, his landlord, come closer, has been a bit greedy and wants to up the rent. And they've said, because there's a few of them living there, they've said, no, we don't want to pay more rent. So the landlord's kicked them out. So I said, what you've got to do is, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a naughty thing to do, but I pinched it from Hinge and Bracket from years ago, uh, is you pie a piece of fish and you nail it behind the wardrobe. Piece of haddock. Just leave it there. <laughs> They'll soon get the message. Uh, 84850. Uh, Joe says, we think prisons in countries like Egypt are filthy and dangerous. But isn't that what people say about ours? Yeah, of course they're not filthy and dangerous. I mean, it's a prison. It's not a blooming holiday camp. I couldn't care less what happens to her over there. I really couldn't care less. And uh, neither could any of you, I'm delighted to say. Uh, John says, took delivery of 300 cotton buds, care of eBay, with plastic stems... Oh, no, 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 no. Plastic stems are banned. Paper. Paper stems now, which is what it used to be. That's why they used to break, and then you end up with half a cotton bud in your ear, which is not where you're supposed to put them anyway. Uh, in Paphos, listening to the show, sunny and 18 degrees today. I, I, the funny thing is, I'm, I am looking forward to actually uh, getting some sunshine, but at this precise moment, uh, I'm just looking forward to anything that isn't blooming rain. Uh, I may have just seen Kevin the Milkman, says a friend of mine. Is he tall, slim and quietly handsome in a World War Two kind of way? <laughs> Where did you see him? Where did you see him? And there's also a shop in St. James that they used in the Kingsman movies. Diane Burstein, who does the London Walks, she loves finding places in London that they've used uh, for filming. And they do a lot of... Because London has got everything. So they do a lot of filming here. But uh, so that's the actual place, is it? But have you seen Kevin? Is he tall? He's not that tall, actually, Kevin. No. He'll be wearing shorts, put it that way. <laughs> Guarantee he'll be wearing shorts. I love it. Uh, Will in Bromley says... Uh, he says, you make me cry with laughter. And then he was talking about what my auntie Doris did and uh, what I'm expert in in the kitchen. Not just in the kitchen. Not just seriously, you know, when it comes to pancake day, you know, you can do it. Sometimes you have to do it outside, don't you? And uh, and that generally involves the dog, you know, because you can throw it up in the air and the dog and then you've lost it. We don't have a dog. I'm just telling you what would happen if you had a dog and you were out with the with the uh, the pancakes. John the cabbie says you're on form this morning. So true, yet so funny. Thank you. That's why this program scores well. Other other presenters listen into this program always secretly, and they always go, "Oh, I'll write that down. That's a very, I'll use that." I'll use that. I often hear my, my programme repeated on other people's radio stations. It's outrageous, really. There should be some sort of commission page, shouldn't there? Coming up to the news at six o'clock this morning. It's a Wednesday. We've only got two more days to go, and then we're into the, the weekend again. Trump delivers his first State of the Union address. It took much longer than usual, mainly because they wouldn't stop clapping. We counted 111 times 
the uh, the speech was halted while people clapped and whooped and did the usual sort of things. Uh, the amazing talking whale, the orca, for that read killer whale. Okay, these are that's why they're called killer whales. You'll have seen David Attenborough's program where a mother was trying to protect her calf, and what the orcas did. They're very they're highly intelligent. They washed it off. They washed it off, and once they'd washed it off, they then attacked it. Quite dreadful. And the US Glee star found hanged ahead of a child abuse sentencing case in America. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to... uh, Well, it's just gone four minutes past six. In case you're clock-watching and you've got train... Train! Train! Quick, clothes on, quick, run. I know the programme's addictive, but there you go. Love the description of uh, me. Seamus says, Kevin, I'm five foot nine, greying hair, jeans on today. He says, I wish I had shorts on, sweating me what's-its off. I'm around Clerkenwell at the moment, if that helps my stalker. I've always wanted a stalker. Oh, you'd want this stalker. You'd definitely want this stalker. Who's just suggested a nice pair of... I think they're Vivian Westwood shoes. They're either shoes or slippers, but you're right, I quite like them. Not me, though. I'm not a fashionista. But if, if they're slippers, I want them, but I suspect they're shoes, and I suspect they come with a price tag of about £600. If it's Vivian Westwood, you can just add 500 on immediately, so I'm assuming £600, but they are nicely made. I like handmade shoes. There's something nice about handmade shoes, which is, you know, tailor-made to your feet. Steve, I had fried bread for the first time the other week at the... Uh, at the Woolsey in Piccadilly, was topped with haggis, duck's eggs and a whiskey sauce. Tasted better than it sounded. Well, fried bread, I mean, you know, you could stick a tin of beans on fried bread and I'd be happy with it. First cup of tea of the day with carnation milk, says Dallas. Yes, you see, I mean, I nearly bought it. The only reason I didn't buy it, I don't have um, an opener. You'd have to open the whole tin. And I just wanted to pull a little ring pull back so you can then just pour it out because carnation milk, I used to love, evaporated milk. Never understood where you opened the tin. It was all still there. You think, what's it called? Evaporated milk for? And how does glue stay in that tube without sticking? You know, all these questions you worry about. How do they get the lead in pencils? Go back to that one, shall we, later on. 84850, uk. And uh, somebody says, I was just wondering if Ola and her husband Jordan were still on Strictly. No, they kicked her off years ago. And he's not been on it for ages. He, he ended up doing Celebrity Big Brother, but he was such a vile piece of work that nobody liked him. So now they're, they're sort of trying to sell this. Uh, they, they give private dance lessons. I rest my case. Well, not at the moment, because he's sort of apparently done his back in, so they had to cancel the tour. I was beginning to wonder if it was anything like Peter Andre's lack of interest. Because when somebody books you on a tour, and, and they say, right, we're actually going to book you onto this tour, and uh, we've got this date in, this date in, this date. Unless you're doing television on a regular basis, you're not going to sell anything at all. Because you need to sell a lot of seats. It depends whether you're working the 600-seat places, which would be the Queen's Theatre, it would be the Beck in Hayes, there's lots of places out at Edmonton and uh, Millfield, you know, nice places like that, but they're about 600 seats. Uh, or you play the bigger places, which are 1,200 and upwards, and you've got to sell a lot of seats, nothing worse than walking out to uh, the sound of your own feet, so you've got to be very, very careful, and um, and it's, it's just one of those things. So when Peter Andre cancelled his little tour of Australia, apparently because he was filming a TV series, we knew it wasn't. We knew that it was because the tickets weren't shifting. What's the point of going out there? In a bit? He, nobody knows him. He's not been out to Australia for ages and ages. Why would you think that you go out there? I mean, he's got a little tour over here, but they're having to do meet and greets to make the money up. 90 quid for a meet and greet with Peter Andre in a, a theatre that's about holds about 300, I think. You know, it's it, and he's got to support... 
all these children. I hope he's made some other money there, because this doesn't... And he wants, he, want, he wants another child. Small wonder the wife's going, I don't think so. Let's try and pay for the ones that we've got at the moment. My friend Graham is in the car going to Gatwick for a trip to the Far East. Oh, is that Brighton or something like that? Where is the Far East nowadays? His driver's called Imran. Imran is driving today, so off to Gatwick. Actually, this is probably the best time to be going to Gatwick, isn't it? Gone six o'clock in the morning. That's the best time to be heading out there. I headed out the other day to... Uh, where did I go to? I was heading on the way to Stansted, but I wasn't going to Stansted Airport. I can't remember. My uh, my goddaughter works out at Gatwick. Or is it Stansted? <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, she's one of those who goes, would like to put your cases up on here, please? No messing with her. No messing with her. She knows exactly what she's doing. Uh, so have a nice flight. I'm sure it'll be uh, excellent. Right, what have we got? We've got uh, eight minutes past six. Some of the other stories in the papers. Having seen David Beckham, and I'll make this prediction again. I don't know why. I can't give you any logical reason why I'm thinking this way. But when it was announced the other day that David Beckham, as you, if you're hearing this on the podcast, well, then you've already heard it a little bit earlier on. But I'll just tell you again for those people who've just woken up that he's going to live in America, in Miami. Miami is not the safest place in the world, I have to tell you. There is a lot of crime, there's a lot of gun crime, and there's a lot of knife crime, and there's a lot of corruption, and there's a lot of um, underhanded stuff going on. Where he's thinking of being is a bit of a run-down area. I'm not sure if run-down areas in Miami are going to be welcoming people like David Beckham there to revitalise. He wants to put up a stadium of 25,000 and uh, then he's got a football team. But he hasn't got a football team because they've signed nobody. They've not even built the stadium yet. So what's the point? That's going to take years. But he's going to go and live over there. Brooklyn is apparently, so they say, at university. Or he might have finished that already. It's a bit difficult to tell with the family. They don't, they don't tell you too much about their schooling side of it. But there was a picture in Miami of Brooklyn. So obviously not at university. So that's obviously gone by the wayside. And, uh, and he says, I'm going to move over here now. And Victoria, that's the wife, Chavy Vicky, <laughs> is going to be staying in this country with the kids. Well, she doesn't. She moves around, you know, promoting her own business. Whether it's successful or not remains to be seen. But that's the big problem. I think they're going to go for separation. I think this is a trial separation. And the separation will be that he's over there, she's over here. It'll be one of those arrangements. Because he was out in a nightclub, a gangster's nightclub, till five o'clock this morning. A gangster's nightclub till five o'clock in the morning. She's going, David, you know you're not very good on drink. And he was out there and you think, oh dear. Oh dear, 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 dear. This is the thin end of the wedge. Because the trouble is, Dave, who thinks that he's a leader, but he isn't really, he's a follower. He follows people. People have to advise him because he doesn't know anything. He's just, you know, he's a piece of beefcake that you take, put in these clothes, photograph him and then take him out of the clothes and send him back home again. You know, with a lollipop and, you know, some ice cream or something. So, you know, when they say his first night in Miami and he's in a gangster's nightclub, I always think that's the uh, that's the worst, the worst thing ever. That would be she'd be at home now. I'm telling you. And she'd be going. She's on the phone. What on earth do you think you're doing? Because it's Brand Beckham, Brand Beckham. And a friend of mine, and I won't tell you who she is because she's very famous, she says, the terrible photo book still makes me laugh what I see. She says, with, with terrible, terrible out-of-focus shots of elephants and things like that. And it was, it's the most awful thing ever. All he is, he was, if you remember briefly, he was a barista. He made a cup of coffee. How difficult is it to make a cup of coffee? In Brooklyn's case, I don't think he can do anything at all. And then we were laughingly told the other day that Dave cooks. No, he reheats pizza. 
That's all they eat in their house. They don't. Nobody cooks a meal. Seriously, they had him with a pie. It looked like it was shop-bought anyway. So he's going to be over in Miami. He's out till the early hours of the morning. He was eyeing up a brunette. You know he's got a roving eye. We know he's got a roving eye. So you've got to be very, very careful, you know, with things like this. She's over here going... To be honest with you, I thought that their marriage was a bit odd years and years ago. I thought it was... They both seem to be going separate ways. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is, you know, because... Because they've not built this stadium, why does he need to be in Miami? Build the stadium, get on with it, and then when you've got it, then start doing all the other bits and pieces. So he's going to be over there, is he, for the whole thing? That's a separation. How can you hold a marriage together during that? That's what that's will happen. There'll be some girl, they'll actually have pictures in the paper. You watch, I know what the press are like in this country, they're very naughty. They will have pictures of him with a girl in a nightclub. There'll be somebody who'll be paid to go over there in Miami. They'll go, listen, he'll be, he likes the, this, this nightclub. They look after him over there. They give him drinks and he's a bit susceptible to flattery. You're very good looking, Dave. Do you want another drink? Would you like, th- this, is, this is Lulu. Do you want to meet Lulu? Just see it, can't you? They'll have pictures of him. She'll go up the wall because I think that anything that goes on in his life, he can do, provided... It doesn't get out into the public domain. That's what I think. I could be totally wrong, but it's a blooming good guess, isn't it? And judging by the way, he said the family will be back home in England. So they've got the place in Notting Hill, that Spartan place, which, to be honest with you, I didn't even think it looked like it was finished. I was very surprised to hear that that was decorated. And then they've got the place in the Cotswolds that they've spent millions on. They've been told to take the treehouse down. They had no planning permission. They quite clearly think they can do whatever they want. So who's going to go and live out there? He's over in America, presumably renting a place with sort of Brooklyn. And perhaps they're going to do the father and son thing, go out there and pick people up. That's what I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing. Because you can't trust him. So what is going on? First night in, in Miami, and then they get a picture of him next morning, looking well the worse for wear. And um, sort of, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing, really. This, uh, this sort of trendy club owned by a killer is basically half-clad, half-naked people. And, you know, as Dave thinks he's the same age as Brooklyn and Brooklyn, what is Brooklyn? Was he 18 or something like that? But, uh, you know, golden balls are celebrated getting this. But they haven't got a stadium yet. So, you know, this is going to take this is going to be donkey's years down the line. I promise you donkey's years. You watch. Never wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. Eight for eight five. Oh, the uh, porn rap star of Glee in suicide bids. Well, actually not suicide, bid. this is Mark uh, Salling. Um, he hanged himself. I don't even need to think, we don't even need to say suspected suicide. His body was found hanging near a river close to his home in Los Angeles. Um, he was guilty, pleaded guilty to possessing child pornography, 50,000 images of child porn. And uh, due to be sentenced in March, uh, said to be around seven years in prison he would be facing. And he obviously decided that he would uh, he would hang himself. So that's in all the papers for today. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I think they've already had an eviction in Big Brother. I'm a bit confused by it, but I think Ashley James... They got rid of three. That, that, Ashley James was the boring one who put herself about a bit, you know what I mean? Uh, from Made in Chelsea. Again, the one with the fake accent. Malika Hack, whose only claim to fame is she knows the Kardashians. That's her claim to fame. How tragic. And Amanda Barry... Quite clearly, mad as a bootlace. I mean, obviously. So, triple eviction. Uh, Chloe Kardashian's a bit heartbroken. Her dog, Gabbana, has died. Who's the other one's called Dolce. 
Um, Amir Khan reunites with the I'm a Celebrity uh, camp mates. They're doing that as well. I thought they were bringing people back into Celebrity Big Brother House, who we hated and kicked off first time round. Uh, also, what was the other? There was another story I read. Oh, that's right, because of the uh, the story about Gemma Collins and about what a nightmare she is to work with. Uh, because she just thinks she knows more than anybody else. And unfortunately, she doesn't. That's why she's a bit thick and single. Not her fault. I mean, you know, she's got nothing going for her. Uh, Mel B apparently is uh, pitching a TV show. Uh, This is called uh, a pilot. Well, what you do is you pitch an idea to a company. I know, because Jonathan Levi does the same thing. You pitch an idea and the company go, oh, we quite like that. Should we go for a pilot? Let's go for a pilot. And so she's hoping that uh, this one is where she would meet domestic abuse survivors and talk about her own divorce hell. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, I think that would that would probably appeal to somebody, but a very, very small number of people. Uh, she wants to use her experiences with ex-husband Stephen Belafonte, the one who she had to pay a huge amount of money to in court, you remember, because she'd made all these porno films, threesomes. So perhaps she'd be better qualified to do that. Pals say she won't shy away from telling her own story. We've heard her own story. I don't want to hear it again on television, thank you very much indeed. Why do these people think that, you know, is it th- perhaps it's therapy? When it's therapy. And uh, Peter says, when I try to imagine how Kevin the Milkman looks, I think of Father Ted's Milkman. No, Pat Mustard, is it? No, I, 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 he's... Very friendly with all the local women. Not like our uh, our Kevin at all, actually. Not And he doesn't look... Our, our one's much younger. Much younger than that one. Uh, Steve, how can Peter Andre afford to give everybody in the audience £90 to meet them? I don't know. He's not presumably... I mean, I, just, I don't understand how he's making ends meet at the moment. He's just done his little... Program where Peter pretends that he knows how to sort of put a nail in and make a shelf. And, of course, he doesn't have the faintest idea about anything at all. He's about as useless around the house as a chocolate teapot. That's how bad he is. Small wonder that the girlfriend is shy. Get, get off! Doesn't want any more children at the moment, thank you very much indeed. And uh, your Squire's Twickenham fried bread experience sounded interesting, says Linda. Have you tried their Eggs Benedict, Squire's Rygate? The bagels look like they've been under a steamroller. Maybe get Phil Vickery on the case. Love the show. Uh, laughed so much about your pancakes and auntie's skills in the marmalade factory. I know, it's, uh, I'll tell you about some of the other members of my family as the, as the weeks and the years go by. Every, every day, another story. Uh, and somebody says, uh, we use a can opener and then a sturdy oyster knife to enlarge the hole in a tin of carnation. Actually, I seem to remember years ago, we just used to stab the top of the tin, but I hadn't thought about that, actually. Perhaps I should do that. I did fancy carnation milk. Uh, we used to have carnation milk over jelly. But I'm not really supposed to have jelly now because it's it's too too sugary. So I'm not sure that actually tinned pears. I drain the juice off. I do drain the juice. I, I don't have the the juice, the fruit juice or whatever it comes with it. I drain drain that off and just have them dry. They're quite nice actually. I was going to have them with some with some custard the other day. I know it's all sugar, but I mean goodness sake, I've got to have some treats in life. Uh, somebody says Steve uh, Simon. He says I'll pay Peter Andre ninety quid to not meet him. I don't know how he's making money at the moment. I mean, I don't know how much that series would pay the R. I don't know whether that would pay an awful lot because he's not really particularly bright at it. They can't get him anything else. So he's going on. He still thinks that he's going to resurrect his music career. The day that Peter Andre is back in the charts, I'll eat this studio. Seriously, I'll eat this. There's no chance of him ever getting back in the charts. He's not been in it for years now. It's finished. He's a 44-year-old man. He's got nothing to do with music. And the reason being is that people don't see him as a musician or a songwriter or a singer. They definitely don't see him as a singer. 
you know, because they now see him as, oh, you're that, you know, bloke on the front page of OK magazine with your arms round your wife with the children at your feet playing lovely games. They don't see... Um, nobody, who's going to take you seriously? Nobody takes you seriously. Nobody. I spent time in Miami, says Gary. Ended up in a downtown uh, place. Was advised to get out of the area straight away. Palm Beach is run by gangsters. You've got to be careful. I've just... I fear. In fact, one of the papers this morning has said... Uh, to Victoria, get out there now. Because if he's going to start going down the route and taking uh, young Beckham with him as well to nightclubs that are open till five in the morning, this is bad news. This is bad news. We used to have a bit of respect for Davy Boy Beckham. Unfortunately, going out to a nightclub owned by a killer is not the most uh, intelligent thing. Uh, didn't you used to have to stab two holes as a friend? You did. You're quite right. Because without the second hole, it wouldn't pour. In a carnation tin. But we used to have a thing that if you pushed it, it did like um, a triangular shaped hole in it. And then you did one at the back. And it was the one at the back that enabled you to... Oh, I still love it. It was really nice, actually. If you did it with tinned fruit, if you did it with tinned fruit salad, and you were the only one that got the bit of cherry. Do you remember? There was always one bit of cherry. There was never any more. One bit of cherry. Oh, can I have the cherry? Little tiny bit. They used to make one cherry cut into about a thousand pieces. Oh, sorry, I've just realised. Oh, I am sorry. Peter Andre's going to be a film star in America. He's apparently got two films he's going over to do. One is a comedy and one's apparently a horror film. Please don't make me say it. Please don't make me say the jokes. I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, a little bit late. A little bit late, I know. Being for a run. But you're right, two two holes in a carnation tin, otherwise it wouldn't pour. And then if you left it in the fridge, which we did, then it would sort of gunge over. Like you know, The one thing I can't stand, that's custard with a skin on it. People used to go, oh, lovely, custard with... Oh, no, thank you. Too disgusting for words. Uh, more on the Miami Vice, party boy Bex. He's too old for partying. He really is. And uh, he left the club at five with Brooklyn, who appeared worse for wear after earlier going out for some posh grub. What, that be a kebab or a pizza? Posh grub. They wouldn't know posh grub if it came up and bit them. You know, there's something the matter with David taking his son out to a nightclub till five in the morning, which has got these sort of people in it. You know, I mean, it's, I, thought, I thought Brooklyn had a girlfriend. You'd never guess it, judging by the, the way he looks coming out of this nightclub. He looks, he looks completely off his trolley. Mind you, Dave was exactly the same at one of those music festivals, wasn't he, really? Uh, boxing girls KO the snowflakes. Promoters are up for a fight. This is the girls with the, uh, the fake hair and the boobies sticking out the front. And uh, they have to, uh, you know, do it. there's one here picture with Amir Khan. There's a surprise. And uh, girls getting the boot out of the Big Brother house. Who are we left with? We're left with Scary Anne, Anne Whittaker, who says the men have put the spice into this. Well, you certainly haven't, dear, have you? You're just an old dinosaur. An old dinosaur who really hasn't brought herself up to sort of, you know, modern times. But I'm interested to know, if you're such a good Christian, how have you managed to avoid church all this time? I haven't seen any prayers. I didn't see a Bible on your bed or a Bible under your pillow. So what sort, sort of Christian are you? Are you one of these new types? You stand up, fall down kind of person. I don't know. Uh, the beggar caged for robbing the bomb victims. He wasn't a kind person at all. He was just another thieving little toe rag who thieved from people who were either dead or dying. He went round there and claimed that he tried to help them. Luckily, the judge saw through him in a very short space of time and he's gone to prison for four years. Should have been 20. Should have been 20. Robbing from the dead. Disgusting. Uh, Emmerdale. I, I, I do watch Emmerdale occasionally. I'm, I'm losing track of it. I know there's a bloke called Marlon in the kitchen who we've never seen cooking anything in his entire life. But uh, now they face a backlash from viewers over an acid attack. Bad boy Ross Barton is doused in the corrosive liquid during a fight in the TV favourite. But one fan said, soaps now 
including, and some would say, promoting acid attacks. Well, they're, they're supposed to reflect... A soap is... I'll tell you what their brief is. The soap is, they will always argue, um, they reflect what goes on in real life. So how come you never see anybody going to the toilet? How come you see... You know, you never see anybody taking a shower or going swimming or, you know... I mean, they have little fake arguments and, you know, occasionally you might see a spark of acting... But that's about it. You know, the, the Dales, Emmerdale in particular, it's a hotbed, isn't it? Everything's going on out there. Wife swapping, sex, mad, gays. Oh, Lord above. I can't believe how many things are going on there. And then people go, oh, I'd like to buy a property in Emmerdale. Never seen anybody. There's no estate agents. I've never seen a for sale board once in all my years. I used to sit and watch the programme. Now I couldn't tell you who was in it. I know there's a corner shop, but they don't seem to sell normal stuff. It's all very worrying. Uh, also, Ant and Deck are to be ITV's Golden Boys this year. They're going to be on the box more than ever before. Oh, bloody well, hope not. Sorry. Um, I mean, they're on the television enough now. Thank you very much indeed. So they've got Saturday Night Takeaway. Uh, they say uh, they've had a tough 12 months. No, they haven't. They haven't had a tough 12 months at all. It's tough about it. But uh, they're also going to have Ant and Deck's DNA journey. Oh, God, I mean, how many... See, the trouble is there is a danger, isn't there, that eventually you're going to be going... I've had enough of this, actually. And people start to uh, start reacting a little bit badly. to. Well, that's what I think. That's what I think. Um, a tad early, says a friend of mine, <laughs> 28 minutes past. Look at that, taken a minute ago. 28, there you go, Chris. 28 minutes past, uh, past six. Tad early. I love that. <laughs> so, honestly, I wish I could tell you half the things that go on in this programme that you're not aware of. Peter Andre is so poor he can't even pay attention, says Mike. Ooh, and and uh, Lee says we used to have jelly with condensed milk. Yeah. Oh, jelly. Oh, jelly. My mother used to make jelly. Jelly with orange segments. It had to be orange. So occasionally we'd use pineapple segments. <sighs> Delicious. Evaporated milk and tin fruit cocktail uh, over a ready-made flan case was a staple pudding. And somebody else, exactly the same, tinned fruit, made a rice pudding on Sunday, first for years, and loved the skin, but hated it as a child, says Linda. Aldi, to evaporated milk and evaporated milk, light, with a ring pull, says Michael. Ah, interesting, interesting. But it's most of you uh, seem to like it. It's, it's jelly, isn't it? Or, or that, uh, that tinned fruit. Delicious. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 24 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari is with you at 7 this morning on LBC with breakfast. He'll have more reaction to Donald Trump's first State of the Union address. He'll speak to the campaign strategists from both the Republicans and the Democrats to find out what they made of the president's speech. I think 111 separate occasions of, uh, of applauding. Uh, the Met Police have apologised to the man who had to go to court accused of a rape he didn't commit because they missed key evidence. Nick will speak to the Tory aide, who was also cleared of rape last month. Plus, with Theresa May in Beijing, the government's announced new teaching links between Britain and China. Education Minister Nick Gibb will explain how they will work. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7. Yesterday, we, we told you the sad story of the wildebeest and how many, many wildebeest... Well, I mean, not, you know, out of the millions of them that are out there, some of them succumb to packs of wild dogs... Some of them succumb to crocodiles who wait for that one year that the wildebeest summon up the, uh, the effort to try and either cross the river or drink from the water without realising the dangers are in there. And then yesterday, somebody sent me a very sweet little uh, video, which was of a pack of lions. And a pack of lions were stalking, 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll praise it for you. Pack of lions on the right-hand side of your screen. Left-hand side, water buffalo. Water buffalo, very dangerous. It is possible to bring them down if the lions all acted together. But anyway, they decided that the water buffalo were too dangerous to tackle, so they went for a calf. And so these lions grab this calf, which promptly, with the lions, falls into the river. So now the lions are hanging onto its neck. What they do is they're, they're suffocating. That's what they put your fingers in your ears if you're not used to this kind of thing. And uh, so, but it, it has an interesting ending, this story. So the, the poor little water buffalo is struggling here. At one point, they flip it onto its back. And then the lions try to drag it out of the river, presumably to offer the coup de gras. And so water buffalo would then just become a small snack. No, 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 no. At this moment, a crocodile grabs the back of the water buffalo and tries to drag it back into the river again. This poor buffalo, it's only small, obviously must be thinking, make it finish. And it's being filmed by tourists. It's being filmed by tourists going, oh, I hope it finishes quickly and all the rest of it. You don't want this poor little creature to suffer. And the lions are grabbing it. Then they lose it to the, to the crocodile. They then come back in to try and get it back out again. And then, miracle of miracles, the big water buffalo turn up again. And they encircle the lions, who have still got the little buffalo. And they manage to get the little buffalo away, which is still alive, from the other buffalo. And you think this is a miracle from, you know, from God. And so they manage to get it away. And then the, the big buffaloes decide they've had enough of these uh, lions. So one of them goes in there. He takes his life in his hands. And they, the one thing you don't want to go anywhere near on buffalo is their horns. This buffalo throws this lion up in the air. And the other ones eventually sort of uh, run away. But it, it was an interesting scenario of how everybody came together. I thought, I seriously thought the, the baby buffalo had finished. You know, when you've got sort of people dragging you out with these huge claws in it. And then at the other end, an alligator or a crocodile, one of the two, dragging you back into the river again. It was like being sort of pillar to post. It was it was absolutely terrible. But just going back, because we have a story running in the news, as you know, which we started this morning on LBC, of the orcas. For, for orca read killer whale. These are, make no mistake about it, they're called killer whales for a reason. They kill. They eat meat. OK, they will eat other whales, baby whales, seals. Seals are their favourite. Seals are their favourite. But they are highly intelligent. In fact, they're so intelligent, they literally can work out. They pop, I'll tell you the story of them popping up in the, uh, in the ocean among the ice flows. But uh, the story arrives in the newspapers today that they've managed to find one that talks. Now, you either believe this and take this with a huge pinch of salt, or you realise that it's the biggest pile of doggy-doos that you've ever heard in your entire life. So this is their idea, and, and they, 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 they do two words, hello and bye-bye. Now, if you, if, I mean, sometimes you think, well, maybe it could be. Oh, and they can count. We don't think they go very far, because, I mean, believe you me, they are very, very intelligent killer whales. They know how to get animals away from their mothers and things like that, and they work as a team. They could do it, including blowing bubbles at exactly the same time to provide a smoke screen. So this is them talking, OK? Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? Incidentally, hello. the first bit of hello is not them. They're, hello. They're, there we are. <laughs> one, two. I mean... One, two. <laughs> we think the last one's the best one. One, two. But that time they're one, fed up. One, two. 
Easy. One, two. <laughs> Is that Stephen Hawking with another voice? Speak to me, Orca. But uh, that, that's what they—that's what they actually claim. It's—it's it's talking. They—they they say it's learned to imitate human speech. So they've been sort of copied. This is a killer whale, a 14-year-old called Wilkie. And it was recorded mimicking words like hello, bye-bye and one-two, as well as the name of her trainer, Amy. Because uh, killer whales use their blowhole, I don't know if you're aware of that, to make the noises. It's almost like speaking through your nose. But um, they, they were showing the programme on the television the other day just how clever they are. Just how clever... Oh, sorry, that's them. That's one in a tank, isn't it? They're enormous. They, they roam the oceans. You can't put anything in a tank. I don't care whether it's in Florida or where it is. You cannot put them in, in tanks. It's just, it's just not, not nice. But they were showing them among the ice flows in wherever they were. And they, they sort of swim silently. And then they, they go up on end and they poke their noses out of the water. Just have a look around. I mean, seriously, they're so intelligent. And they saw a seal on an ice flow, on a piece of ice. So what they've got to do is get the seal off the ice. So what do they do? And there's about six of them in this pod. They go under the water, they turn round, and as they come back, they flip their tails. Their tail provides a wave which can break the ice flow, and that's exactly what it did first time round. So now the seal, who's kind of getting the hang of it, is clinging onto a very small piece of ice. Now they've got to get it off the ice. So again, they go round, they flick their tails... And the seal gets off the ice. Now, what they've got to be careful of is they've got to grab it by its tail. They can't allow the mouth to get anywhere near it because these seals, are, some of them can be about, you know, 15 feet long. And they've got really dangerous teeth. So it could be very dangerous for them. So they eventually, sort of, the seal knows exactly what's going on. So it makes sure it's, it keeps its tail well away from them. Anyway, it finds another piece of ice and quickly pulls itself up on, and the whales come up right behind it. You could see it. And they're thinking, how are we going to get it now? And what they did, the, way, the, the seal is on the ice. Unfortunately, its tail is not quite on the ice. And so one of the whales bites the tail and slowly pulls... You could see the look on the seal's face as it's being pulled into the water. Because what it does, it takes it underwater and drowns it. You'd think that for a creature that spends most of its time in the water, it wouldn't drown. But if you keep them under the water, they need to come up to breathe. Hence the, uh, the blowholes all over the place. And you could see the look on this seal's face. It's like it's all over. It is now. And they did exactly the same to a baby whale. So when they say they talk, I would like, you know, finding the word I am a killer to emerge from their mouths. But it uh, doesn't seem very likely, does it? Uh, Wayne says, if orca whales are so intelligent, do you think you could find me one to finish my Sudoku puzzle? Do you know, to be honest with you, there used to be um, uh, a monkey that could talk. But, but not talk, it did deaf and dumb. did sign language. Do you remember seeing that one years and years ago? I remember that one. Um, Kim says, our male line at Dudley Zoo died on Monday. He was 15. I don't know what that is in, um, in human years. It's probably quite old, isn't it, really? And um, somebody says, apparently there was an orca who used to cry a lot. Bit of a blubber, says Ian. Thank you. And uh, Holly says, I've discovered Peter Andre's wife is pursuing her career in medicine. Yes, she is. Yes, she's, she's medically qualified, I think. Peter can then give up work, look after the kids and let her go on with offering something of value to society. Uh, somebody else, Steph, says, pleased to hear Brendan Cole's got the boot. Hated the way he tried to hog the camera when somebody else was being interviewed. Selfish and... Um, 
not too not too pleasant. Yeah, well, that was obviously what they decided. All they've done, they've, they've done it quite nicely. They do the usual thing. We wish him the very best for the future. Thinking there probably isn't really much of a future. In soaps, when paying and given change, the customer doesn't check their change, says Alan. No, they don't. You know why? Because it's just pretend, isn't it? Just pretend. Uh, Julie says EastEnders is the biggest load of rubbish at the moment. And uh, Mary says, I don't think Emmerdale's got a corner shop anymore. It does have a coffee shop and a beauty salon. <laughs> Obviously not open very often, judging by the way some people look. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice steppy company. Uh, Rebecca says, what a show. Steve Attenborough. I know, I'm fascinated by it. I, I sit there, you know, watching and, and praying with everybody else that some of these animals survive. But uh, many of them don't. But that's the law of the jungle, as they say. Daily Star this morning. Dave's first night in Miami. And he's off to a nightclub in the early hours of the morning with Brooklyn. I suppose because he's got no friends. I mean, it does seem apparent, doesn't he? He spent most of his time going out with his son because he doesn't seem to have any friends to go out with. You know, he has friends who sort of turn up as part of a business thing. But I think basically he's sort of he's a bit of a lonely person. So the only person he's got to talk to is Brooklyn. So they go out together. They've been to fashion shows together. They've been to all sorts of things. Uh, And now he goes to a nightclub, a gangster's nightclub. Not the best thing to do, but there you go. That's his advisors, isn't it? Uh, The Daily Mail this morning. They're talking about punished for going a mile over the limit. Motorists should be punished for speeding, even if they're just a mile, says Britain's road policing chief. This is Chief Constable Anthony Bangham, who says the days of the soft treatment of offenders must come to an end. What? He really is called that, yeah. Well, Anthony. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Teddy Bangham up. And uh, uh, signalling a radical departure from the status quo. I don't know, quite down, down, deeper and down. It was quite one of my favourite songs. Mr Bangham says the courses should be reserved for those only marginally over the limit. So if you're, if you're a mile an hour over the limit, I mean, basically, you should be hanged. I think that's it. How are they going to enforce it? I don't understand. You know, they, they, it's great here. Oh, by the way, before I forget, 15, 34 lion years. So 15 in human years equals 34 in lion years. But this, oh, right, so it's 34 years old. It's not very old, is it, for a lion? Mind you, they, they don't do a lot, lions. They just sleep. You know, they just sleep. But they don't seem to get that fat, do they? Mainly because they don't sort of eat all the time. Uh, the Sun this morning, fiery Bren Strictly acts. And uh, as I say, he sort of sobbed a bit on television. But there again, what do you expect if you start arguing with the judges? You're not part of that programme. What you're on is your own agenda. You're actually thinking that you're bigger than the programme. And you're not bigger than the programme. And they proved it to you. They basically turned around and said, I, I just love their sort of response at the end, which is, you know, we wish Brendan... All the best and for everything he's done for us. Thank you very much indeed. But it's a case of you're gone. OK, simple as that. If you think you can make a career out of it, you can do private dances. But that really, 13 years. Why would you want to bite the hand that feeds so well? Because that show has enabled you to do everything. Uh, the Stretch Navy sends puny plastic boat to tackle two Russian subs. Uh, because we've had Russian subs in here and we've had ships and all sorts of things. Uh, Kelly Brook, feminists are taking darts girls' rights away. All because of a little thing that she said on Loose Women. It was very throwaway. Picture exclusive of Nick Knowles with his new girlfriend, who's obviously enjoying the attention, because up until now she hasn't had any. He's 55, she's 25. Little bit of a difference, but there again, you know, perhaps he likes them younger. Uh, The Daily Mirror, the truth behind Strictly Brendan's... We know what the truth is. Nobody likes him. 
he's deeply unpopular, and that's why they had to get rid of him. It's a shame, actually, if he'd learnt to play humble and learnt to play the game, but he thought he was being terribly clever, and they obviously decided, we're going to teach you a lesson, and they have done. Thousands of cancer patients die early because of a lack of funding. Cheerful little report, isn't it? And how the first super blue blood moon in 150 years could change your life. A blue blood moon. I've never even heard of a blue blood moon before. Social care crisis, according to the eye, uh, leaves millions living in pain. This is charities, 90 of them, and care organisations, stepping in to prevent the collapse of services. People with dementia, cancer, MS, depression and other conditions, struggling to get the help they need and dying early. Fear and needless suffering caused by a shortfall in funding for GPs, home care, care homes and mental health. Wow. Um, also, the uh, the talking whale recorded saying human words. Just remember, the first words you hear are from the trainer. They're not from the actual animal itself. It's not that. You're not going to go up there and go, so what do you think today? Well, today I swam around the pool and I saw somebody in the front row that I really liked. And uh, and so I splashed them with my tail. You know, it's Lloyd Grossman. <laughs> Lloyd Grossman masquerading as a whale. Well, at least you identified it. I mean, uh, it's another, uh, there's another voice I can add to my vast repertoire of three. Uh, apparently, why your boss should let you sleep on the job. They do, don't they, down at BBC News. I believe we've seen some of the overnight people slumped over their desks. I'm hoping it was just tiredness. They say you should work horizontally. Lord. Uh, also, the young victims, doctors treating more children for knife wounds... I don't know what the answer to that one is. I wish I did. If you could wave the magic wand. Uh, here's the whale able to imitate English. A little bit of an over-exaggeration in the Guardian. It does. Hello. And uh, bye-bye. And one-two. Hardly a conversational piece, is it really? Uh, the BBC backlash as the pay review rejects claims of gender bias. Very interesting, isn't it? What, what they, you know, what they've actually said and what they actually mean. They appear to be two completely different things. Here she is, Kate. She does do a good smile. And the Duchess of Cambridge wearing a black winter hat and matching coat. They think it might have been real fur, but she's admitted that they have IKEA furniture in their home. I think somebody said to William, "It's not the brightest penny in the box." Um, so, do you have? Um, have you ever heard of IKEA? And obviously, in the back of his mind, somebody said, "Yeah, the owner of IKEA just died, multi-billionaire." And he said, yes, we, we have Ikea furniture. He's probably never heard of it before in his life. Do you think William's ever assembled something? Do you think, it, do you think that's possible? I don't think so, actually. Uh, also, Hunt unveils strategy for zero NHS suicides. Uh, also, Brain Pacemaker aids Alzheimer's sufferers. And China must play by the rules on trade, says the per M. Uh, times this morning... Here's Kate again. She takes a good picture, but is the hat real fur or is it not? The BBC pay review, according to the Times, will give men more rises than women. And the ugly truth of socialism laid bare by researchers, plus greedy house developers face losing the right to build. Get it all the time, don't we? We do get it all the time. People, you know, around my way, you know, you'll see a little tiny bit of land and you think, what are they going to do with that? Next thing, it's gone and there's a block of flats. In its place. I mean, it is actually quite amazing what they can put up in a very short and very small area. So Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel fame is coming to the UK. His shows, he say, will be the last. He's getting too old and he's decided that uh, that is it. David Beckham hanging around in a sleazy nightclub owned by a killer. Uh, that's not the start of it, Dave. We don't want to see you out in nightclubs till five in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. Although, as I say, what you're going to be doing over there is your day-to-day -day running. I've got no idea. Perhaps he's going to build the stadium single-handedly. Uh, the bars in Bournemouth on the benches, which will stop 
people sleeping rough there, surrounded by all their rubbish. And uh, some people, well, they found one who has said uh, it's disgraceful. You know, these people have got human rights, not in not in private parks that we have to pay for. Uh, the judge telling the beggar who stole from the dead and the dying, you're a common thief. The very middle class mob who stormed the Churchill Cafe. Oh, dear, are we all well healed. Their mummies and daddies looked after them very well indeed. The Hatton Garden codgers told to pay 27 million or stay behind bars for another seven years. Costa and the co-op featured in Coronation Street. They've uh, they've paid and done a deal. Um, right. Make sure you download the LBC app as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can listen back to this and all of our other programmes from last week for free. I have to read it quickly because I'm late. And uh, on my bid extra today, I'll be telling you why Anne Widdicombe definitely shouldn't win the Celebrity Big Brother final. My theory about Posh and Bex in a bit more detail. It is just a theory. Plus, I'll be asking what was the Duchess of Cambridge wearing over in Sweden? Not the hat. It's what was on her body. And uh, my little bit extra available very shortly. Download the LBC app for iPhone or Android at 10, James O'Brien. But next, with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.